Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I am Joe Stark, and tonight's episode is all about Game of Thrones, an HBO series based on the George R.R. Martin books, A Song of Ice and Fire. I have a few guests joining me tonight. Uh, first up is Hanan. How are you doing tonight? Hello. I'm fine. Oh, should I talk? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the floor is yours, Hanan. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> Was it actually you or was it some uh, one person? <laughs> oh, I got confused. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a little bit of weirdness. We had a little bit of weirdness at the beginning of the episode where it almost sounded like like another Skype through maybe bleeding through or something like that. But we definitely heard another person talking that's not on the episode. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it started out weird. <laughs> okay, so hi. Hello. Yeah, so uh, it's I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, I've never had you on Startcast before. Do you want to uh, maybe introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners? Um, my name is Hanan. I'm from the Middle East. I'm from Kuwait, and that's it. All <laughs> right, on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up is Arroyo. Or, I fucked it up. Arayo. Rhymes with Ohio. I even have it written down in front of me. I suck. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's okay. dude. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'm going to blame that hey, on the ghost up? at the beginning. <laughs> Honestly, it, it's it's understandable for you to be straight. I, I, the ghost freaked me out. Like I'm still not sure you all aren't messing with me. <laughs> no, and in fact, I will save it and I will put that at the end of the episode. Perfect. It'll be like bonus content at the end. So stick around. <laughs> but yeah, so um, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, of course. Uh, my name's Araya. I'm a, I live in Kentucky. I'm just a medical student, just chilling. Just, but I love Game of Thrones. It's like my life. So I'm super pumped to talk about it. Awesome. Hell yeah, man. Um, and then last but not least is Benji. What's up, dude? Hey, having a good night so far. Had a good day at work. Uh, went on a little, little date with the girlfriend. Got some vegan hamburgers, a vegan hamburger and dollar beer night at our local vegan restaurant. And uh, came back here to talk with you lovely people about uh, some of the most depressing uh, literature I've ever read. Just consistently, <laughs> front to back. Just nothing, hardly anything good ever happens, and I can't get enough of it, and I don't know why. So, um, yeah, really excited to talk about that. Um, a little bit about myself. Uh, just uh, um, love comic books. I love anime. I love uh, collecting vinyl. I love all kinds of sorts of things. Um, and yeah, and uh, I am a technician in a molecular pathology lab uh, as an occupation. There you go. There's some facts about me. Right on, man. That sounds all, that sounds really fascinating too. Yeah, it's real fun. I love it. Yeah, right, and um, dude, I loved listening to you on Joe Schmo. I'm a big fan of the Old Guard, so that was a very oh, cool episode. Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, that was a really that turned out a whole lot a whole lot better than I thought that it, when I was listening to it because for some reason, like as I was recording it, I was like, this is not going well. But at the very end, I like I listened to it, I listened to it, I re-listened to it, and I was like, no, this is actually this is actually some good podcasting. So yeah, thank you, I appreciate that. I've done that for nearly forty episodes so far. So don't, don't sweat that. <laughs> 
<laughs> but no, yeah. that was cool listening to you guys talk about the old garden. Give it so much love. I've been reading that book since uh, since number one. And well, good. I'm happy to hear it. Yeah, and you love it? Oh, yeah. It's great. It is, mm. you know, to- it is one of the top-notch image titles, and I can't wait for it to come back. Yeah, I know. And I don't, I just, there's just a special place in my heart for like, you know, miniature, uh, like, like shorter issue stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like where we're like the, the end is in mind whenever they write from the beginning. I think that I, I really feel like that's what Rucka did. He went into writing the story knowing how the first, uh, the first arc was going to end and it ended in an incredible, beautiful way. And if you haven't read the old guard, the trade's out now. And I highly suggest you go pick it up and read it because it's, it was my favorite comic book of 2017. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got to stop I myself or I will just start rambling about comics. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we can jump right back into, uh, Game of Thrones here. And, um, Benji, it was kind of funny how you brought up that it was depressing books because that was my first introduction to Game of Thrones was my friend Jeff holding up the book Game of Thrones and saying, dude, you've got to read this. The main character's last names are Stark, so you got that going for you? Yeah. But you just read this whole book just wanting them to have a win, and they just don't. And I'm like, I'm not reading that. Like, you just did the worst job ever selling that. <laughs> that's exactly, you know what, and the, the, there's a quote, like, that's exactly what's been happening when I've been telling people, like, I'm going to be on a podcast called The Start Cast to talk about Game of Thrones. I'm like, oh, so it's a Game of Thrones podcast. I'm like, no, 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 that's just the dude's name. <laughs> dude i yeah. get that so much in my personal yeah. life people are always calling me iron man or saying winter is coming yeah <laughs> it's like yeah you got, a, you got a lot of cool stuff associated with your name i'm kind of jealous well you know what i'll tell you what when i was in elementary school it was only stark naked okay there was no fucking oh, iron man yeah. <laughs> cool shit associated with nobody brought up that it was german for strength <laughs> nope it was stark Ooh, naked <laughs> well, I mean, you're you're reaping the benefits now, so. <laughs> king of the North. Yeah, King of the North. There we go. <laughs> I'm pretty accommodating, though. I'd be much more like Tor and the King who knelt. Be like, no, nah, no, nah, man, no, you got dragons. No, no, what's up? My last name in Arabic it translates to wolf. It's oh, nice. Wolf, so I would actually be more of a Stark. <laughs> it would yeah. fit me as a shijo. <laughs> it's actually like whenever you drive around here and you see a car with a wolf on it, it used to be like someone's m- part of my family. But now it became like, oh, anyone with Game of Thrones with a wolf. Oh, so wow. It used to be a sigil for us. That is so cool. That. See, that's well, that's a really cool part about where you're from, Hanan, is that you guys have got such a deep history over there. Like, so many of us in America are just transplants. Like, it's hard for me to trace back more than, like, a few generations with, like, any certainty. So, that's awesome. We actually have a big family trees here because this is why I relate to Game of Thrones a lot. Because it's all about family and it's what we have here. I can trace, like, maybe 10 generations of my family. That's, That's really awesome. incredible. Um, what was your first introduction to Game of Thrones, Hanan? Um, my first introduction was by the second season, but I I only watched the beginning of the episode. Everyone was telling me to watch it, and it's so great. And uh, I only watched the beginning where do you know the White Walkers, 
And I didn't know it was going to be like that, so sci-fi kind of thing. So I didn't like it in the beginning. I My real introduction to it was, again, in season four. And that's when I started liking it more. Because then I was, like, into it in a way that I know what's it about. Yeah, it does have a little bit of a weird intro. <laughs> with It's like, is this going to be like a medieval zombie show? It's like, well, kind of eventually. <laughs> I was so over zombies by that time. So... When and then they introduced you right through it, like just the beginning, and oh, zombies! Wow, it's yeah. a great introduction. <laughs> it's like, huh, zombies with swords. This is different, I guess. <laughs> I zombies. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> still freaks me out. You know the girl in the beginning, the one that was hanging on the tree, and then she was again in season six, I think. The little girl. Oh, nice. I didn't pick um, up that it might have been the, the same one. The zombie girl. Yeah, no, I she's remember. 19. I no way. She's, she's 19. What? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it because she looks so young. She's like this little tiny girl. And then I was reading about things about the first episode. And I was like, oh, did you know that this girl was 19? And she was an actual girl when she was hanging in the tree and not a dummy. And no one knew that. Oh, wow. It's crazy. Be a weird thing to act out. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to need you to hang in this tree for a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> the director is more hip. He's like, We're just going to want you to hang out. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Okay. So. Okay, market. We're ten minutes in, and I'm gonna drag us onto a tangent. Um, I was out to eat years ago with one of my good friends and his mom, and his mom was a captain in the fire department. And when somebody would hang themselves, the fire department would have to show up to come and like cut the person down. And she was telling us this story while we were eating lunch, and she was saying that she asked the paramedics, "Do you want us to hang around?" Or can we take no. off? <laughs> she hadn't even Too thought strange. of it. Because she said that. And then we both went, oh, my gosh, did you really say that? And she's like, oh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. fuck wild. <laughs> uh, good stuff. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so, Araya, what was your first introduction to Game of Thrones? Honestly, man, it's kind of embarrassing. But (laughs) (laughs) so uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I was like really into this like junior girl, Uh, and like she was like a big Game of Thrones like book fan. Like I think this was this was like 2008. I think it was probably before there was really like a um, like a TV show. I don't know if the TV show was out yet, Um, but she was like a couple years older than me. So I was like trying to like talked to her one day and i was like all right like you know like what are you into and she's like oh i'm, I'm reading the book like a game of thrones and i was like oh cool like i'll read it and like i'll talk to her about it and like maybe she'll you know like me because like that's how the world works you know yeah and um yeah so i like started reading this book and i was just like what is happening like what is going on uh, so I went back to talk to her about it, and she never actually finished it because she got pissed that all the characters were dying. So <laughs> <laughs> was was not my most successful strategy, but 
got got fell in love with the books and I've, I've been attached ever since man i love the stuff we got something out of it so that's good yeah that's what i was just gonna say that's awesome <laughs> yeah and you know what carol like it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> i don't need stupid books <laughs> that's awesome (laughs) we getting real fast not salty not salty at all (laughs) Uh, uh, Benji what was your first introduction to the series well uh, I like a lot of people um, did not I I, I mean I I reaped the benefits of Game of Thrones and its popularity long before I actually got into it um, I didn't, I didn't know why it was all of a sudden cool that I was really into a lot of obscure nerd shit, but apparently, you know, HBO broadcasting this show had a whole lot to do with that. Um, so, uh, I mean, nowadays I'm extremely, extremely thankful that it ever did exist just for the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm able to feel, you know, a little more comfortable talking to people knowing that they'll, they'll respond well, more likely respond well to something because they know that there's something to, you know, the nerdier, the nerdier uh, parts of life. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I saw the, the first episode and the way that it ended with, uh, did, wait, did we do, did we just do like spoiler, like, oh, yeah, okay. the first yeah you haven't seen the first episode you're in trouble well, yeah. <laughs> why, why are you listening right and, now? and let's just state right now we're gonna spoil the shit out of all the books so far that are written and all the show that's out so there's your warning <laughs> thank you for bringing that up benji yeah, of course so yeah go away but um so anyway uh the way it ends with it's like incest and kick a kid out of a tower i was like all right um Maybe not for me. Uh, I guess this is the state of the world right now. This is what people are into. That's fine. Um, so uh, I, I kind of left it alone for a good long while. And I don't necessarily remember what it was. I think that my friends just harassed me enough that I finally uh, got back into it. I watched the whole of the first season, decided that I loved it enough that I just needed to read the books and then kind of track with the with the TV shows as I was reading the books, kind of like, because I wanted to read the books first. So read the first book, rewatch the first season, um, uh, read the second book, then rewatch the second season. But while I'm watching the second season, I read the third book. Do you kind of get where, what my schedule was? But anyway, um, <laughs> so I, I, it took a long time, but I eventually got caught up with everybody else. Um, and yeah, uh, I mean, it's a it's a it's a rich world, and like I said, it's a depressing world. At least in the books, the TV show. We'll talk about it later. You know, I I, I feel like I'm, I'm in the camp that I feel like things are almost going too well for people right now. It's a little off putting, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, in the in the books, I'm, I'm actually just a couple of days ago. I felt the the very first pang of like sorrow that I didn't have. You know, a new book to read. Like the uh, winds of winter. Yeah, that's that's what I want more than anything, and I don't know <laughs> if that's ever. I think that I think that we're still like metaphorically in spring right now. Yeah. Like I don't know when those winds are gonna get here, and I really I'm really want them to. <laughs> and yeah, there's a, there's some levels to that metaphor because you know it's also probably gonna be set, but um, I don't know. Winter uh, hasn't yeah. come in the books, right? What was it? Winter hasn't come in the books 
Uh, yeah, it, I think it's. I think that it actually has in the books because they sent out the White Ravens from the Citadel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's. But I'm not sure. Like everyone is aware that winter is coming. Yeah. It's kind of. And it's not in the full swing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't uh, read all the books yet. I've gotten about halfway through the first one. Is all, mm-hmm. but. I'm like fully embracing all the spoilers from the books I can get. And so like I've listened to a lot of different podcasts where they kind of compare stuff from the books to the show. And so I've gotten some of that. And then I also have that uh, song of ice and fire book that George R. R. Martin put out. That's like the big, like encyclopedia kind of type thing. It's just full of stories and really cool paintings and whatnot. Yeah. And how does that read? Is it like a textbook or. Is it is it like you know something that you read for pleasure? Is it something that you use for reference? Is it something that you can read from front to back, or you just look into it whenever you want to find something specific? Or like what what was the functionality of it? Uh, it really does read more like a history textbook, mm-hmm. and like it. I mean, it feels like a textbook too. I mean, it's big. It, it's it's a hardback, but it's like the jack the dust jacket is like integral to it, so it almost feels kind of like puffy on the outside it feels really good in your hands and it's a really good paper stock and i mean it's a big heavy book i mean if someone snuck into your house in the middle of the night you could hit them upside the head with that it's unreliable too which is the best part about it like it was written by people who have been influenced by like the current administration so it's like it's very partial to robert baratheon it's very partial to the lannisters oh like, yeah so you can it's like meant to be an unreliable narrator so like there are wow. things in it you're not really sure yeah, if it was like as true as it should be yeah that's so cool i love it yeah because it's written so it's, by so, a so it's just like a, so it's just like a, a real world textbook for history yeah Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. It's it's it would earn a special place on your coffee table if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I certainly will. Thanks for that. Yeah, I got it for Do my it birthday. Pictures? Yes, it has a shitload of really good art in it. Um okay. and most of it is like really book accurate from what I what I had heard on it too. But it even has a uh, like an index in the back of all the different art that's in it and then credits what artists did it and everything. Like, uh, like the, like the artist. What was that? Hannah? Reading the books is hard for me. They, they just look too big and too, I haven't read the book that size in a very long time. Yeah. They are very thick, imposing paperbacks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I read like big series of books like that all through high school. Like my first introduction into fantasy books, like probably goes all the way back to like middle school, like reading different. Um, oh, like I can't even think of what the series were called, but it's like maybe I want to say birthright, but I, I might be influenced by the Joshua Williamson book. It might be creeping into my head, <laughs> but I know it was a series of books. And then I read like different, you know, like fictions that like took place in like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. And then I eventually jumped into uh, the Rift War saga by Raymond E. Feist, which starts with the book Magician. And then it was off to the races from there. I read the shit out of that and then jumped into Lord of the Rings and, you know, so it's, tackling big books like that doesn't really freak me out too much it's just more right now i don't really have the time to do it but especially after i did that podcast with adam and he actually looked up what audible was 
<laughs> now I kind of want to get audible and just start listening to him that way. Oh, it's great. Yeah, man. that's, a, that's great. a very, very good idea. I'm a big audible guy. Yeah, I yeah. never used it before. I I had had it in my head that it was expensive. <laughs> I was proven wrong. <laughs> yeah, not not too bad. And I uh, I recently they have some really cool stuff. Like uh, I had never read American Gods, but I'd always wanted to. So I picked that up. It's really long, and uh, and I like that because I wanted to get the you know my money's worth whenever I get an whenever I get an audio book, and <laughs> uh, um, it's a it's a full cast production of American Gods. So each and every character has a different actor playing the voice. So it's really, really like immersive, and it's it's awesome to listen to because you know everybody has their their own accent and inflection, and uh, yeah, it just it just kind of brings you into that world. So yeah, that that's a that's a really really good one. And if the, I don't know if there's a full cast of Game of Thrones, but if there was, that would be awesome. I think that's it's all Trees. What was uh, it? Is it similar to the show American Gods? Um, yeah, I've actually never seen the show American Gods, but the American Gods, the show is based off of it's the a book. Really good show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a really good book. So uh, yeah, I look forward to watching that show at some point now. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've had it on my agenda to get get to that book eventually too. I didn't know it was a real thick book. Oh yeah, it's a, it's it's pretty long. It was like a it was like over twenty hours to listen to. I think. Oh wow. wow. Oh wow. <laughs> but I was happy with it because, you know, it's like you get one book a month, so I want that book to stretch as long as possible. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, does everybody have a favorite character in the series? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> What's your Does it have to be one? No. <laughs> okay, well, so who are some of your favorite characters then? <laughs> I could say that I love all of the Lannisters. <laughs> really? The Lannisters are my favorite. That's a really interesting point of view. I want to I want to hear more about this. What Agreed. about the Lannisters draws you to them, please? Um I like first I love Tyrion the most. He's my okay. Yes, I, I will I, give I, that. You're you're immediately saved. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would need someone like him in my life because I can deal with people the right way, and he would be a very good advisor. Yes. <laughs> nice. And and then I love Cersei because I get her sometimes. I, know. I, don't, okay. I don't get why Continue, don't please. Hate her. <laughs> well, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The moments where I have like sympathized with Cersei like especially like towards the end of season five and stuff like that like it it was weird it was it was interesting to me that the show took a character that a lot of times like I find quite despicable and vile in the decisions that she makes but I really felt for her when she was doing that walk of shame and in all the abuses that she was taking in like the dungeons in the in the um uh the high sept and everything the I only think with team the... that I didn't like her was Seven. Oh, go on. Sorry, I cut you off. No, 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 no. That's fine. Um, I, this is this is your time to shine. I definitely want to know why. Like, I more about why 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 Cersei is a character that you like. But uh, I think that uh, the books kind of show the inner workings of her mind as she's pushing forward, and you kind of see how selfish the entire process is. And a lot of people I've noticed kind of attached to her because, you know, she's doing all of the things that she does for her family. 
but the way that she's ruining so many people's lives with just utter disregard, there really just isn't a whole lot of an excuse for that for me. And uh, like I said, in the, in the books, it really kind of goes into, you know, how she thinks. And I mean, I don't know. I, I hate to say it, but I really think that she, you know, I don't, I don't think that she necessarily, that the punishment was really, really weird. Like I wish the punishment was different. Um, I wish that it, you know, that she was allowed to keep her dignity because I think that everybody deserves dignity. But I mean, I definitely, it was, it was very difficult for me to feel sorry for her per se. Yeah. I'm with you, Budgie. Like low key, like fuck Cersei. Like, yeah, I don't like her. <laughs> 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 I've been so over her since, 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 um, lady died because of her. I was just like, yeah, like Cersei, you can burn in hell. Like, I'm oh, not about yeah. Let's <laughs> take it back to the start. <laughs> like so cruel. And she's just so selfish. And you're right. The book's like the show kind of like makes her more like you can sympathize with her. She's more of a sympathetic character in the show In the books. Like you can see what she's thinking. And even when she does things that are like look redeeming on the surface, like her undercurrent, her thought process is still so inherently selfish I'm just like, yeah, I just, like, don't like you. Like, you're a shit person. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely correct. Maybe because I haven't read the book. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't read any of the books. But I think if we have seen the show from the Lannister's point of view, if we weren't introduced brother Starks, I don't think we would feel the same way about her. Hmm. Because if we haven't seen the Starks' kids in the beginning, even with the lady part, when she was killed, I mean, this wolf bit her son, so I can see why she would do that. If we weren't introduced to the Lannister, we didn't like them. So it depends on what point of view we're watching the show from. Because until now, we're we're so focused on the Starks, so we feel the most to them. We relate to the most to them. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But to me, the way she was raised with her father, I kind of get why she ended up that way. And we kind of have a lot of people like that over here who are entitled <laughs> in this kind of way. Because they're raised to be entitled. They're raised to be that kind of person. So... They haven't gone through the experiences to be empathetic with other people. So I get her and I like who she is because she's not, she doesn't think she's evil. She does what she thinks is right, which is not always correct. She's kind of a mixed character, which is why I like her. There's so many levels to her character. Yeah, George R. R. Martin is really good at writing characters like that where they're multi layered and. Yeah, I, they just feel more real that way. And yeah, um, and yeah. in the books, I think that they're like the, the character that resembles the, the 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 type of arc that you're describing more so for me is Jamie. Yeah, um, because he kind of you, you with the examination of his inner workings, there does seem to be something going on that uh, is leading him to a, a path more resemblant of righteousness. Like he, he's, he's starting to believe that he doesn't have to be, you know, the, uh, the, the, the shame 
of the kingdom. He doesn't have to be known as the Kingslayer. That he can, like, I mean, even if he is known as the Kingslayer, that isn't necessarily what defines him. And I can see him really trying to be better in a lot of ways. And I, and I don't know. I can, I, I can definitely identify with that. But um, I think in the show, it also, it also takes that route in showing, in showing that that arc for him. Um, and he definitely seems to be a lot more sincere about it than his sister. And I am definitely interested to see, especially in the show, how their relationship evolves concerning that. Yeah, Jamie's yeah. a really interesting character to me because he does go through those huge changes. But the the biggest thing that I find interesting about Jamie is that honor is so wrapped up into like the way he thinks. But at the same time, he had to do something that caused like potentially the greatest dishonor ever. And the great tragedy of it is that people don't know the real story of if he hadn't yeah. chosen to act that way all of King's Landing would have burned. And, right. and apparently I mean, a, people... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I said, and apparently people don't want to know the truth because, I mean, it, it's something that could easily be obtained, but it's like they, they don't want to listen. They don't want to hear that, you know, that he saved the kingdom. They, they only see it at the surface level. So, I mean, I think that a lot of people could also relate with that as well as not being heard out from your point of view, from your own point of from from whoever's point of view. Yeah. Uh, Araya, what were you going to say there? Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, I agree with everything that you guys said, but, like, the crazy thing for me about Jamie and Cersei is that, like, if you even look at, like, especially in the books, if you look at the, the progression of their relationship, like, Jamie has always done the things he did because he was in love with Cersei. And he, like, even, like, even, it's like his most memorable line from the first season is, like, the things I do for love is he pushes Bran out the window. It's not really as clear that Cersei's love for Jamie is about Jamie. Like Jamie's love for Cersei is because he he just is in love with her. Cersei's love for Jamie is that they're they're twins and that he's beautiful and that he's as close as the world can offer her as being herself. Like it's a close yeah. that's a love of herself. It's like mm-hmm. a selfish love. Whereas Jamie's love has always been um, kind of about it's not selfish, it's selfless love. It is real love. And so, like, if you look at the shit that Jamie does, the things that he does that are bad are almost always because of Cersei. Like, even if you, like, him being a part of the Kingsguard is because of Cersei. Like, every mistake that he's made is because he loves Cersei. Cersei just does evil stuff. And she just doesn't care about the consequences. She doesn't care about what happens because she thinks she's smarter than everyone else in the room. Um, and she typically isn't. So I, I, I like Jamie a lot. Like I think his his redemption arc is really interesting, and his development as a character has been really interesting. Whereas I think Cersei's been fairly consistently evil. Like she's just been like she is multi layered. Like you see, like her only redeeming quality is the fact that she's a mother and that she does really love her kids. But everything else she does is just like Cersei. Like what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Do you think that she sees her actions as evil, though? Because it it seems to her 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 actions are justified, and she's not really being evil. She's just reacting to the world and playing the Game of Thrones, right? I think she has a bit of a persecution complex. Like I think she thinks she's the victim more often than she typically is. Uh, but I agree. I mean, I think you're right. Like she she thinks she's react. If she was being persecuted, I think she'd be reacting in the right way. But she's typically not. Like Tyrion even says it. Like my sister thinks that the whole world is against her. When typically she's, it's, it's no one's against her. It's people just opposed, like offering different ideas or different viewpoints. Like she would, she kind of, she is more along the lines of Littlefinger, where I think 
Tyrion or Tyrion and Jamie are closer to their father, who will do bad things for a good overall goal. But Cersei just does bad things because she thinks that like the act of doing bad things makes her powerful. Yeah, and that and that I think that a lot of that stems from the the prophecy uh, from the old lady whenever she was a child from the old lady in the in the woods or that, yeah, that was the, the festival. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then all the stuff that came true from that. Um, so yeah, I think that she has this like she's just wrapped up in you know her prophecy and you know the 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 age old terror where she doesn't realize that she's the one fulfilling the prophecy. Like she she has a hand in her own demise. What's Why that? do you think that they not say the whole prophecy in the show? Like the last part of the prophecy, it wasn't mentioned in the show. I still don't find the reason for them not saying it. About the Valencar? The, yeah. Yeah, so... Because so I always um, thought it's the why she hated Tyrion, because she thought that he's, he's going to be the one who kills her. But because it wasn't mentioned in the show, nobody knows about that. <laughs> Yeah, do either of you guys kind of remember the wording of that? No. Yeah, it's that her, it's she'll be killed by her little brother. It's really it's a really vague statement given the fact that she's the elder twin, so it's not really clear. She has two younger brothers technically, but she always kind of ascribed the blame to Tyrion. Right. I'm not sure why they removed that from the show. I think they wanted they didn't want to give it I think it's kind of obvious if you look at it. You know what I mean? And I think they wanted to pull out the drama. Yeah, or maybe even uh, reserve the right to kill her in whatever way they would see fit for their story. Since, I mean, there, yeah. there are there are differences in the way that, that they've taken the show than the books. Some pretty big differences. I think bigger differences <laughs> yeah. than a lot of people give credit for. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and prophecy is one of those things that we see jump up with some other characters, uh, namely uh, Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. Yep, the bastard in the north. <laughs> and just recently in the show, we've had uh, confirmation of, from what I'd read, was a theory amongst book readers for quite a long time. Yeah, man. And R plus L equals J. The OG theory. <laughs> Do you want to explain that? Yeah, okay. So book they readers have been... It, right? Sorry? They confirmed it, right? They did. Yes, they, they did. did. It was confirmed, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they did. They absolutely did. And it was epic. I, I cried in my living room. <laughs> Do you want to explain what the whole theory was and how it started in the book and everything? Yeah, okay. So in the in the books, when they talk about um, John's parents, and they kind of do this in the show as well, um, there's always a, a lot of ambiguity applied to what's going on. Um, you know, when, when they asked Ned, when Robert asked Ned, in game in a game of thrones who the father of his of his bastard was he tells him that this girl named wyla like the one she met at war um there's also lots of comments about this lady named ashara dane ashara dane um who ned was apparently in love with um but the, there was never really any clarity about who the mother of, of, of john snow was and so a lot of book readers a lot of people in the community um poured through the novels and the novelizations of of like um of the uh, the Duncan Egg the Duncan Egg novellas and and try to figure out who exactly John's parents were and Ned was supposed to tell John who his parents were when he came back from King's Landing but as you guys know um, that journey was a little bit delayed and uh, so 
the, the theory has always been that Rhaegar and Lyanna were the parents of Jon Snow. That when Lyanna was allegedly taken by Rhaegar, what really happened was that they were in love. And that they were in love and that there was a product of their love, which was Jon. Um, and there was the tales about this Tower of Joy where Ned fought Arthur Dane and the other um, Knights of the Kingsguard to go and find his sister. Um, and no one really knew what happened after that. So there was always a lot of ambiguity. Um, and in the show, in the books, they haven't confirmed it. But as far as I'm concerned, the show confirming that that Net or that John is the kid of of Rhaegar and Lyanna is is epic. Like that's that's big time. Yeah, and uh, and I wanna I wanna mention just to, just to put my intellect in the spotlight that I actually theorized this without seeing the show. Uh, within the like the first couple of chapters of A Clash of Kings, the second book, um, it all oh, clicked nice. for me. Whenever uh, whenever John was in Mormont's study and the Raven looked at him and started to scream King at him over and over again. Epic. <laughs> and then I was like, oh shoot, okay, I get it. And then I started to think, all right, yeah, so he's the he's the king, he's Rhaegar's, he's Rhaegar and Lyanna's son. I started to tell that to, I started to share that theory with everybody that had already seen the show to that point. And then <laughs> I, 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 and thinking back on it now, I got some pretty interesting looks. <laughs> <laughs> like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it, sure, well, it, Jon Snow's one of my favorite characters, too. I mean, just from the beginning, because he was always doing the right thing. And even when he was a kid, you know, he thought he was doing the right thing by going to the wall and he thought that it was going to be this glorious thing. And then when he actually gets there and sees the reality of what it is, and then he has that moment where he wants to, where he's like, you know, fuck this, I'm leaving. And the way that, you know, people that he'd previously been so standoffish with, you know, his brothers in arms, when they actually come and track him down and, you know, say the the vow to him and bring him back, like that was... It was a great start for his character into what he was going to become. And then his whole arc of going through and, and everything with the brothers of the night's watch and uh, fantastic. Yeah. He, he really is the only just genuinely through and through good character. Like, I mean, he's the, yeah, yes, (laughs) absolutely. He's the only one. Every other every other character has something wrong with him, or has done something despicable, except for Jon Snow. Ooh, what about Samwell? No, oh, that's a that's a good question. I think that just in that perspective, um, there's just a flaw in character, and it sounds really really bad. But the, no. the level of cowardice that he kind of showed, you know, showed kind of cracks of integrity, like not being able to stand up for what he believed in, which, you know, isn't completely his fault. He was raised by, you know, a real a bad psycho. dude. Yeah. An absolute psycho. Um, they were extremely psychopathic, especially in the books. If you hear about, I don't know. I don't know if I mentioned, but, um, uh, his dad, uh, whenever he first said that he wanted to be a maester as a child, his dad actually chained him up in the dungeon and then asked him how the chains felt because, you know, maesters have the, have the long chains they wear on their necks. Oh, um, yeah. And, uh, just like kind of like either left him there or some kind of torment or torture, but yeah, it was some, it was some really, really, really brutal stuff, but yeah. Um, I don't know. No, he's a, he's, I mean, especially now I think that he's growing into a really, really solid character, but the level at which he whined and the level at like, you know, how, 
how afraid he was of everything. I mean, it, 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 it shows how much more impressive he is now that he was able to overcome all of those character flaws. But I mean, they were, they were flaws nonetheless. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally. Where did he yeah. end up in the books? Hmm? Where did he end up in the books? Uh, um, he's a, he's currently at the Citadel. Because there's something I didn't like about season seven with his, his father. I, I don't remember his name. Uh, do you remember the part? I'm spoiling. That's okay. Yeah, totally. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, where they died by the dragon. That's his yes. father and brother. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. this part I didn't get very well because his father is supposed to be the only one, the only person who won against Robert Baratheon when yeah. he was with the he was with the Targaryens. Mm-hmm. So he he stood with the Targaryens. I didn't understand why he would go against Daenerys. Because he fought for her father. So it didn't make sense that she would kill him. The and Lannisters he, made him a deal. That part. The Lannisters made him uh, like... But was, you knew about that. Warden like, of the South, right? Yeah, yeah. And he is very much about power and glory, like more than anything else, like over family and over anything else. Um, which is why he'd sacri- like gladly sacrifice his son and send him away. So, I mean, it, it does kind of make sense as to why he would make that deal, even in the books. Um, even because, I mean, it hasn't gotten to that point in the books, but I mean, how, like that, that, that's, that's his, that's his number one thing. That's what he wants more than anything else is to make his, his own name great. He's also fairly misogynistic. Like, he's not really, I doubt he would be cool with just like, a woman, a woman, like a, a foreign, basically woman. Like he's like your worst version of like a, a xenophobic misogynist. Like he's just like a, a bad guy all around. Yeah. And I doubt he's, he's in favor of like a woman at the head of a foreign army coming in to tell him what to do. Like, I, I doubt he would be a fan of like that whole process. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because he was not a. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Who's also a woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like at least she's like a Westerosi woman, you know. Like at least she's like it's 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 a fair amount. Like she's Westerosi. All of her knights are knights. She's not from another continent with a like a a, a Dothraki horde. Yes, That's line. what I was just gonna say. The Dothraki do not. <laughs> they don't. They don't put uh, Daenerys in a good light for someone like Randall Tarly mm-hmm. at all. At all. I guess he wasn't so much fleshed out in the show. Because no, they didn't they, focus a lot on him. Yeah, we more just yeah. found him to be quite despicable and a very shitty dad. Yeah, and he's, <laughs> and he's just and he's so much worse somehow. He's so much worse. And he was somehow okay with naming his second son Dick On. Yeah, I know. It's a bad call. It's a bad Dick call. On. Listen, we all have family names that we have to get <laughs> <laughs> I love that they put that in season seven where Jamie and Bran were laughing at it. Yeah. Uh, Bron. <laughs> Bron just full on laughs at it. Just, what, what's great. Your name? You said Dick on? Alright. Fair. <laughs> Jamie's called him Rick on. He's like, no, Dick on. It's like <laughs> It's great. It almost put me in mind of the Monty Python movie Life of Brian. Where Julius Caesar has a friend named Biggest Dickus, and the guards keep laughing about it. (laughs) So, what are some of our other favorite characters from this? 
my favorite character is actually one who's like not seen very often in the show. Like he's, he's actually, I mean, he's only been in two scenes, I think, in the entire show. My favorite character is Sir Arthur Dane. Um, oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, he's just so epic. Like if you like Jamie Arthur Dane was a knight of the Kingsguard, and he's like the like quintessential knight. Like everything that you want out of a knight, Arthur Dane is. Like he's honorable. He's the best fighter. He was um, loyal to his king. He was um, well organized, well mannered, like reserved, just epic, just such a great knight. And it's it, I like him because I one he's kind of like the Arthurian figure. Like he's like a perfect knight off in the distance. His uh, his title was the Sword of the Morning, which has got to be the most epic title. In totally show. right. Just so lit. And I like the effect that he kind of had on Jamie. Like if you go through Jamie's like arc, you can see where he he says stuff like it was a uh, a camp that even Sir Arthur Dane would be approve of, or Arthur <laughs> Dane wouldn't do this. And I think Sansa references him too, like. Arthur Dane, the perfect knight, who was Prince Rhaegar's best friend, even though he was killed by her father um, and Howland Reed. I just, I really, I'm very interested in House Dane because they have so many cool things about them and we don't really have many Danes in the story. We have almost none of them in the show. But like everything about that house is so epic. Like they're, they're House Dane, the best knight of House Dane is called the Sword of the Morning. Every generation. And they wield a, a sword called Dawn, which was made from a meteorite that fell to, from the sky. And it's just like, what? Like, that's, that's so, so badass. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. So cool. Arthur Dane's he's legendary. The he's level like, of mythology that George R. R. Martin can come up with and commit to paper, it's like, it's just the scope of the world in A Song of Ice and Fire is just, it's amazing. Like, I didn't think anybody would be able to do something deeper than what Tolkien did. I think this goes deeper. You're probably the right. The foreshadowing is so amazing. Like, I'm, I'm rewatching season one right now, and the dialogue, the foreshadowing dialogue is so great. If you rewatch it, you'll find so many hints in the beginning episodes just to show you what the ending is going to be like. I know, I need to go back and do an epic rewatch. <laughs> me too, me too. There, I just uh, finished, uh, you know, uh, just to go back to the episode when Lady was killed, uh, there was this, uh, when they decided to kill her, uh, Cersei was uh, going to let Ellen Pink kill her. And then Ned Stark was, uh, uh, no, she deserved to be killed by a Northen and not a butcher. And then he ended up being killed by Ellen Pink in the last episode. Oh, yeah, was like, yeah. no. He actually said that, and a butcher actually killed him. It was so sad. Yeah, I didn't notice that just in my now in my third rewatch. Oh, nice! Because <laughs> <laughs> you've got you've got it's like all so the steelbook collections, right? It. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> the rewatching is so hard. I still feel bad when rewatches because I know what's gonna happen. All the characters are gonna die. <laughs> Oh, you're gonna die. <laughs> I know your future is gonna be dark. Sansa. Oh my god, her future? Sansa, god, no. I know, isn't it hard to watch her in those first episodes when she's all like, oh, Prince Joffrey? It's like, oh no. <laughs> no, you're wrong. Run away. Yeah, that was a. Favorite- 
character is Joffrey. I don't know why he likes him so okay, much. Okay, uh, that's a that's a, that's concerning. That's concerning. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the most evil character I ever seen on TV. <laughs> And, and therefore, it. okay, yeah, maybe uh, I don't know. Is <laughs> yeah, counseling maybe? That's some that's some crazy stuff. If that if Joffrey's the most evil character he's seen, just wait until he meets Ramsay Bolton. No, he actually doesn't like Ramsay. Okay, well that's because a- Ramsay's <laughs> evil and he tortures people, but like. Uh, Joffrey is different. I don't know his type of. Evil. Yeah, Joffrey I don't, just I don't just beats, just commands, like you know, his betrothed to be beaten by his knights. Like I mean, he's I mean, you know, Ramsey's a special kind of evil, but Joffrey was on his way. Well, and especially because Joffrey was doing that at such a young age that it yeah. made it so much creepier that he was he was this fucking total sociopath boy king it's like that is the worst thing ever because it's like if he's this bad at this age and he's gonna potentially stick around for a long time if he's wily enough to not get fucking assassinated in this shit you know and he was not no he was not thank god (laughs) but doesn't that happen with giving ultimate power to uh, any person when you give a person in that age ultimate power he's like a brat Oh, absolutely. The ability to do everything. So he can do whatever he wants. So he's just a child who just given so much power. And whose fault is that but your favorite character, <laughs> Cersei Lannister? <laughs> so let's bring that around real quick. Boom, full circle. Oh, mother's love. <laughs> It did make it that much more delicious when Tyrion was slapping him around <laughs> and telling him what was that great line we've had We've had idiot kings and we've had vicious kings, but we've never had. Is that what it is? Something like that? Yeah, yeah. We've had idiot kings and we've had vicious kings. We've never had both. (laughs) (laughs) What a brilliant character. I love Tyrion. He's so great. He's the best. He's the best. I think. Well, try again. Oh, I was just going to ask where uh, Tyrion was at right now in the books. He's a he. Um, I think that he is currently still enslaved. I think that he just him and Bronn just got captured. I think that's where they're at. Um, I don't. I don't know if they've made it to the city yet. I can't quite remember. Is that right? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think I'm not sure. I I, I feel like he. No, no, no. Book Tyrion is in Marine. Book Tyrion is? is in Marine. Yeah, he's in Marine with the not the second sons. He's with he's with those um, a sellsword company. No, that's right. He is. He is, he is still a slave. I think it's is it the company of the cat? It's one of the sellsword companies. I can't remember right. who it is. Yeah, yeah, and they, and then, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it's he's, the second sons. I think it's the second sons that he's with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's he's trying to make it into the city to find her, but things are looking way, way, way worse for Daenerys right now inside the books yeah. than they ever did in the TV show. Like, I I, I wonder how they're going to get out of this. <laughs> so, so where's Daenerys at in the books right now in relation to the the show? I mean, um, I know she, the show's she, progressed taken, further along, but yeah, she she took off on the dragon. Yeah, we don't know where she she's in. With she's with Drogon. Somewhere. Drogon. Yeah. Wow. So was that the first time in the books then you see you see her ride a dragon? 
Yeah, I think so. I don't think we've seen it before then. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. I think that because he because because whenever they arrived at the city, I think he was still too small to ride, and then yeah. he flew off into the distance and then came back a lot larger. That's awesome. That was a great moment in the in the in the show. How cool was it reading it in the books? Oh, it was so cool, man. So cool. Cuz in the books you really like in the show you see everything going around. You can kind of, there's more clues like things are going to be okay. In the book you're reading paragraph after paragraph and you're like this isn't going to end well. Like I know how these books go. They're about to kill Daenerys. Like she's going to die. And then out of nowhere, this dragon just comes in to save the day. And you're like, oh, my God, it's so great. Like, I was so scared for Daenerys because, um, like, I had to read, like, three pages of her just, like, despairing that this was about to, she was about to die. So it was great. This was with the son of the harpy, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's in the book, too? Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, I it was it was a really cool moment when she got taken away from all of that. But the way that it ends, I mean, I felt very, very, very bad for Barristan Selmy. Yeah, it sucks for Barristan. It sucks it, like, it, for Barristan. It super sucks because she left and she's off and, like, the war has begun and he's left to to fight this, this big, this, this massive war that, you know, for, for his queen that he has no clue where she is. Um, and the odds are very much stacked against him. Like depressingly so. So, were you pretty disappointed in the end that they gave Barristan Selmy in the show? I was. Yeah. yeah, me too. I love how Daenerys or Daenerys even brought that up, and she was saying, "You know, this was Barristan Selmy, and he dies in an alleyway." Yeah, that was a uh, that was that was. That was upsetting because I mean, I know that he had gotten old, but in the way in in the books he seemed larger than life, you know, through and through. Because I mean, I, I I'm saying like you know like the odds are like wildly stacked against him right now inside the books, but at the same time, like I still want to believe in my heart that this legendary knight can still take it on, and can still come out of this okay. Uh, so it's a little bit disenchanting to have seen. You know the, the way that they that they took that the way that he died. You know, at the hands of the no name. Like that's that's a little weird. It's definitely an odd choice for the showrunners to take a deviation from the books like that. Yeah, but they did a lot of that. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your least favorite deviations? My least favorite deviations. It's two. One, they removed um, Aegon the Fifth. That that makes me so annoyed. Or Aegon the Sixth. Sorry. Like there's there's a yeah. whole in the books. There's a whole Targaryen, like a alleged Targaryen, who is at yeah. the head of the Golden Company, who has yeah. landed in Westeros, who is not related to, who's not. Well, I guess he is related, but is not Daenerys. Like, he's a yeah. whole different character. Like, um, you know, Illyrio and. Varys, how in the show they're like kind of scheming to help Danny. In the books, they're kind of scheming to help this other kid named who's they call him Young Griff, but really his yeah. name is on the six. It's like allegedly Rhaegar's son, who like his actual son, like Rhaegar and Elia's son, who they spirited away and didn't actually get killed by Gregor Cogain. 
and then mm-hmm. they, they like raise him in in Essos. Um, but yeah. like him not being a character is so confusing because he's obviously going to be a main character in the books. Like he's he's a Targaryen who is currently in Westeros with the Golden Company, the best sellsword company. So he's gonna he's gonna do something. Yeah, um, and it bothers me that they moved. It. And it also bothers me. It's really small, but it bothered me that they made up a character for Rob's wife. Like, why didn't they just use um, Jane Westerling? Like, it, it makes me really annoyed. Like, why didn't they do that? Yeah, uh, I think that, that 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 was a very very odd choice. But just to give a little bit of a, a more of a background as to what was going on with Young Griff, um, supposedly. Uh, um, uh, Rhaegar's son wasn't killed whenever King's Landing was sacked, uh, but was saved by his best friend, John Connington, who has the most run-of-the-mill name out of anybody in Westeros. It seems kind of odd that, like, he has a name that sounds like, you know, one that you would just hear on on the streets as you were, like, walking around John Connington. But anyway, uh, supposedly he saves him, um, you know, uh, goes across the sea, raises him there, uh, where they, uh, where they, where, where he's basically pr- planning his one one day to return with him to take over Westeros, and I think right now they're in uh, Storm's End. Is that what it's called? Yeah, they're in Storm's End. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're, they're planning on taking over um, the Baratheon, uh, uh, the, the the formerly Baratheon ruled land. Um, but yeah, uh, aside from that, another Maybe thing that the they changed. Yeah. Oh, go they ahead. Have sorry. Three Targaryens now: John and Daenerys and this guy. So three dragons. Maybe that was the plan. Well, could that's be. What people think. Yeah. yeah. That would be cool if they, if they united them in the books. They can't do that in the show now, but it would be cool to unite them. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be one way to definitely differentiate. Um, I, I, I want to stay away from like my bigger theories until maybe later on as to what I think might actually happen in the book. But I think that that's that that's certainly possible, and it looks like that's kind of what's being set up. But another thing that's extremely different is uh, Arya Stark's time in the uh, uh, um, oh gosh, it's slipping. Not the faceless assassins. But the House of Black and White. Yeah, her time there is extremely different in the book than in uh, the TV show. Like, she she's she has her sight taken away, but it's not like she's abused. And the waif, the, the girl character that seems to hate her in the show, actually kind of is a, is a friend to her. A comrade while while they're in the the house of black and white like it's a it's it's very unusual they they don't have her she's she's her her time there is is not the same and it's certainly it would be very awkward for them to try to end it in the for him to try to end it in the same way that it was ended in the show so uh that's that's probably going to be very different as well yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the Waif character, and I, I thought it was almost laughable when they had her running after Arya like a T-1000. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> I was like hearing the same music from T2 in my head. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a great point. Like, it, it was a, it was very, very odd. I, I mean, I kind of like the way that the whole thing ended, where, yeah. you know, the, the candle lights out. Oh, gosh, what's going to happen? Yeah, that was um, great. Yeah, but uh, 
Yeah, that's that's definitely not what her and the Waves character's uh, relationship is in the book. Um, so I'll be interested to see. So those are those are some of the the three things that were different um, that I can think of off the top of my head, at least that uh, would that would actually kind of lead the the book to go in a different direction than the TV show has gone in. So what is Bran's character like in the books? He's every bit as whiny and unlikable. <laughs> yeah, <he's> like, <laughs> I, like every time that a chapter came up with him, I was all I, I, I was never excited for it. I was I, I was I I didn't want to hear it anymore. Like I was sick of it. Like it was always him complaining about not being able to walk, which is fine. Not being able to walk probably sucks, but it doesn't make for much of a compelling read to hear yeah, him just talk about that all the time. <laughs> Yeah, but he sucks. He At least... Yeah, whatever. He shouldn't <laughs> die. He should die. I like Jojen and Mira so much more than I like Bran, and it's just like, just let Bran die. Like, let Rickon live. Let everyone else live. Just kill Bran. I don't care. He sucks. Yeah. Does he have some pretty cool green seer stuff in the books, though? Yeah. I mean, it, I think the show's been fairly true, as far as I can remember, to Bran. There's not a lot that they've deviated. I mean, they're past where he is in the books. So there's some stuff that I don't know if it's going to go the way it goes. But, I mean, he is like a super powerful green seer. He's a super powerful um, um, uh, skin changer, too. So, But all the Starks kind of are in the books. Like, all of the Stark kids in the books are, yeah. are kind of green seer skin changers. But Yeah, uh, yeah. So what is a skin changer? Yeah, that's they, somebody that can enter the the mind of an animal and control it, basically. Oh, okay. So they call that yeah. warging in the book in the show, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, same thing. Okay. Yeah, and John has dreams of uh, of being ghost. Arya has dreams of being uh, Nymeria. Nymeria. Sorry, yeah. I'm messing mm-hmm. up. Um, but yeah, like all the all the children that still have their dire wolves. Whenever they dream, they are the wolf. So oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, so that's something also that I mean, it's not something that's going to like critically change. Maybe not critically change a whole lot, but it's something that's definitely cool inside the book. And it's something like Bran is allowed. Like it was, it was a little neat whenever it was like Bran is allowed to walk through summer. I guess. So whenever he's whenever he's able to escape his own body, basically, which is almost like a cage to him. But it ended with him uh, in the uh, with the uh, with the children of the forest inside of the uh, the the tree underground. I forgot what the thing is. I bet the people listening to this are just great out and not able to remember the exact word for anything. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, he's 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 in there, and that's where they ended. And he's talking with the. Um, the one-eyed crow. Right now, so the, the three-eyed raven, the three-eyed raven. I'm like, man, they call shit kind of weird stuff in the in the books. No, no, no. I'm just, uh, I'm just not remembering anything. <laughs> no, you're, Did the that thing crow with Hodor is... happen? What was it? The thing with Hodor. The thing with Hodor hasn't happened in the book yet. That, oh, that okay. yeah, Hodor's still alive and well. God, that was so brutal. It, it was. It was so hard to watch. Mm-hmm. No, I, 
Yeah, it, was, it broke me down, man. I had to like go get ice cream and like hug my family. Like it was, it was a tough day. <laughs> well, and what a crazy thing for George R. R. Martin to write is that. I mean, and I know it hasn't been in the books yet, but I'm sure this is in his notes. Is that Hodor is like that because when he was a kid, he witnessed his own death. He felt his own death, and it fucked him up so much that that's now all he says. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. It hurts, man. It hurts. It does hurt because he is such a likable character. He certainly is. That meant he had to have something terrible happen to him. Like, if you like the character, it's not going to go well. Because <laughs> wasn't that yeah. George R. R. Martin's kind of one of his main thrusts when he started writing this was that he wanted to take all these traditional fantasy tropes and, you know, turn them on their heads. So as soon as the reader, you're like, oh, okay, I kind of know where this story goes. Like, nope, nope. Now it's worst case scenario every time. <laughs> yep. Yep. He hates it. I mean, even the ones that are like really well established, like he just messes with like, uh, like the prince that was promised trope, like, oh, there's a father and the father dies. And so the king, t- the prince takes up his mantle and he saves them. Like it never works out that way. Like You saw Rob in the first few seasons of the show and you're like, all right, epic. He's going to lead this army. He's the young wolf. He's so, he's so talented. He's beating yeah. the lettuce. Nope. It doesn't matter. He's screwed. He's done. That Do you think that that would have happened? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Helen. That episode, <laughs> the red wedding depressed me so badly. Yeah. It is one of the hardest episodes to watch. It's brutal. Yeah. I had been staying oh. up late, like binging the hell out of this show. And that was one where it came up and it was like, I'm not going to bed now. <laughs> I'm now staying up until 1 a.m. and watching this next episode. <laughs> episode nine, it always tears you down. Yeah. Then- <laughs> okay. So while we're on episode nines, what's, what's been everyone's favorite episode nine so far? Or, you know, favorite penultimate episode anyhow. Hey, before we do that, can I talk about my favorite character? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, man. Cool. All right. Uh, <laughs> because we were talking just earlier about how, <laughs> about how uh, you know, whenever, uh, like, the, all, the, all the good characters, uh, you know, if you like them, it's probably a guarantee that they're, that they're going to die. Um, well, that's especially true for my favorite character, um, uh, Rhaegar Targaryen. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, Rhaegar, uh the way that he's described in the books, they they kind of go a little bit in depth into his lore. You know, first book, I I genuinely believed that he was, you know, a bad dude and I was, you know, glad that he died. Um he's just sounded like a villain. He sounded like an entitled brat. But as the as the books went on, and I heard people that knew him talk about him, he just sounds so interesting and like so 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 like rich with like personality and character. And I hope that one day we get you know a, a prequel that's about like just just some side story maybe just a, just a short story with Rhaegar Targaryen so we can just walk around with him for a little bit. 
because he's just this guy. He was good at everything that he tried. He was extremely kind, even in the face of his father's regime. The people loved him. Like, in a time where, like, his father was hated and his family on the whole was hated, like, people looked at Rhaegar and found hope. So, um, I don't know. There's just, there's a lot inside of that character and a lot of integrity. And he was able to to rise above the, the hatred of his, uh, unfortunately, not completely, but, like, you know, in a, in a personal manner, rise above the, the, the imperfections of his family to be something greater. Um... But uh, his heart got in the way, and unfortunately, he never got to be got the chance to be king. Um, but I do firmly believe that if he was allowed to to take up where his father left off, then uh, we wouldn't have any of these books, and everything would be fine. So, do, do uh, you think it really was the events of the the tourney at Harrenhal that was kind of the turning point for Rhaegar, where that pretty much sealed his fate? Yeah, I think that that's what the the quote is, right? Something about how uh, um, all the is it all the smiles went away whenever he put uh, the the um, the, uh, the yeah whenever he gave the crown of flowers to Lyanna Stark. Yeah, because um, everyone was, expected him to give them to to his wife. Yeah, um, and then everybody was like, "Oh, the, the world's over now, huh?" <laughs> we're all we're all gonna die because of this that's uh that's something but yeah the, the, and that's that's genuinely what happened and something about a character that uh, making that kind of decision you know it really it kind of was that decision that was the crux that led to the the rest of the books the rest of everything happening so yeah um i think that uh, that's, that's i was that's always curious about liana stark hmm She's the epic. show. I want to know more about her, but I don't think the show will express more. They make her as an interesting character, Liana. Yeah, I think the closest. Yeah. yeah, I think the closest character we have in the show to Liana is Arya. I think so too. I yeah, think they, they say they a express lot. That. Yeah, she's awesome. I think Liana's Liana's dope. I think Rhaegar's cool too. Like Rhaegar's story is cool. If you like, even if you go to the beginning, like Rhaegar is born at Summerhall mm-hmm. when the rest, like literally almost every member of the royal family is killed while Rhaegar is being born. Right. And the only reason his father and mother survived was because Rhaegar was being born. And it's like, so he was born among tragedy and his life was just marked by it. They used to say he would go back to Summerhall where like all of his family died and he would come back with these like sad, haunting songs and just play them on his his harp and like everyone would cry like he just he's an epic character with i'm with you man rigor is one of my favorites too yeah and he's wonderful and uh and i mean it's just kind of interesting because some people say like you know was he uh was he just a warrior or was he a warrior and he, like, he wasn't just a warrior he wasn't just a great musician he wasn't just a good leader he was all of those things and he was all those things whenever he needed to be. Um, uh, I think that he would have been perfectly happy if he could have just played music his whole life and if he never had to be a warrior. But uh, I think that his honor called him to called him into that. Um, and the fact that he was able to uh, to pull off the the win at the tournament overall, I think, is uh, against Arthur Dane. 
the the greatest swordsman in the land. Yeah, uh, I think is is pretty pretty cool. Who's his best friend too? Yeah, 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 yeah. Best friend, him, Arthur, and John Connington. Yeah, it must have been quite a quite a force to be reckoned with. Man, I can't imagine. What an epic trio! What an yeah. epic trio! Oh yeah. Uh, the other interesting thing about Rhaegar is that he was a real big nut in the Azora High prophecy, to yeah. the point where he thought it was maybe him, and then he thought it was his son. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you guys want to explain the Azora High prophecy real quick? Yeah, I mean, I can or you can, Benji. It's up to you. I can go ahead. Okay, yeah. So, like, the Azora High prophecy is so it's, it's kind of multi, multifaceted. So, Azora High during. So, you guys have heard of The Last Long Night, right? Like, The Long Night, it was like this period a while ago in between the age of heroes and the common era uh, where there was a, a winter that came and a night that came that lasted an entire generation. So it was dark. It was, and it was the last time they say that the white walkers came and attacked. And during that time, each culture kind of has a different story, but they all are kind of similar in that there was a, a figure um, I think some people, the Reloris, the people who follow the Red God, call him Azor High. I think the Targaryens referred to him as the prince who was promised. He has a bunch of different names, kind of like a messianic figure. Right. Who came and wielded a flaming sword and fought back the darkness by himself and promised to return the next time a long night would come again. And with his return would bring magic back to the world and dragons would fly again. Um and so you see a lot of the Targaryens, especially once they lose their dragons, being kind of obsessed with this. Um, and there's a prophecy, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was by the ghost of Highheart, um, who, pro- who prophesied that the prince who was promised will return again, and she will, he will be of the line of, um, of Aegon V, Aegon V Targaryen, who was Rhaegar's grandfather. And Rhaegar, growing up, was heard this prophecy, was inundated with this prophecy, and really came to believe it very, very strongly. Um, and he believed that his son, who was Aegon VI, would be the prince who was promised. I think at his birth he even said, um, will you write a song for him? And Rhaegar responded by saying, "He, uh, I don't have to write him a song. His is the song of the sun and the stars. His is the, the song of ice and fire, which is like the whole... book series it's called a song of ice and fire um so he really believed it um but this this azora high or the the prince who was promised is supposed to come back and save the world and lead the world into a new era of prosperity um and wealth and health and just be like literally a messianic figure um and especially as times kind of went on for the targaryens and, and the kingdom was falling apart and there were rebellions and Eris was a crazy lunatic and they didn't have dragons anymore. Um, they were really like grasping for straws for someone to come through and make everything better again. And, and Rhaegar really believed he originally, they believed it was him. And then he decided it wasn't him. And he believed it was his son. And there's all kinds of different parts to this theory. I don't know how deep you guys really want me to go, but that's kind of the bare bones of it. I'd yeah. Say deep. And, um, <laughs> well, uh, 
do you mind if I pick up for a second? Yeah, do Go it. For it. Okay, uh, yeah, and I think that it was in a later t- to Eamon, uh, who was at the wall at that point, um, serving as the the quartermaster or or whatever. That no, that the high maester of the of the of the wall. Um, that he, that's who he said. You know that I, I'm certain that my son is the is the one who will fulfill this prophecy, and uh, which kind of fits into the fact that if John is his son, John's at the wall. And the the person who's to, and the and the and the uh, the chosen one that's to come again is going to push back the others, just as uh, Azor Ahai did in the legends. So if if John is the is the one, then he's already you know he's there and he's ready to go, at least in the in the show. In the books, he's dead still. By the way, at, at the end of the books, he died. We aren't guaranteed that John's coming back to life in the books. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, one of the things that was kind of cool to me or a story that really just sticks out inside of my mind is that the, the sword that, uh, um, uh, Azor Ahai, uh, forged for himself called Lightbringer, um, he tried to make multiple times, uh, but he could not, um, they plunged it into water at the very end to try to, uh, to try to, um, cool the steel, but every time like it would crack or something or it would come out warped or it wouldn't, it wouldn't be right. So as he was crafting the sword Lightbringer, he, uh, finally, uh, I don't know what drew him to, to do this, but he plunged the sword into his wife's heart. And as he pulled it out, it was perfect, and that was the sword that he used to push back the others, but it required the death of his most beloved to create. So, um, I don't know. I could I could definitely see something like that, uh, need, like some, some sort of sacrifice if John is the chosen one. Um, we'll probably need to look for something like that to happen in his future um, but before he becomes the, the chosen one to lead everybody to push back the others. Wow, and even this already seeing the scares me. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? And seeing all the sacrifice that John's already gone through, that he might have to do something even worse. Yeah, uh, I I wouldn't put it past George R. R. Martin. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't expect it to be Daenerys because that's still obvious, but maybe it's going to be one of the sisters, Sansa or Arya. That would be worse and not predictable. Well, I mean. So we most people think that John is the chosen one. He's the 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 second coming of Azor Ahai, but it could it could not be him at all. Like that, I I don't think that's beyond the realm of possibility for George R. R. Martin to do. Yeah, because yeah. that's what we're all expecting, right? So if it's Daenerys, it could very well be that Jon Snow is the new Nissa Nissa. Jon Snow is the new um, wife of Azor Ahai. Like it, it's. Because the prophecy in High Valyrian, it's not specific whether it's a boy or a girl who will come again. It's it's a non-gendered noun, which is kind of crazy for you to decide to do if you're George R. R. Martin in creating a fake language to specifically pick a lang- like a noun that doesn't have a gender unless you wanted it to be a mystery. So who mm-hmm. knows who it could be, you know? I, but I'm kind of with you. I think it's John too, uh, but I think he's going to have to kill ghosts to make it happen. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry, John. 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 Right? John is a Targaryen. 
Yeah, it has to be a Targaryen. It has to be a Targaryen. Yeah. We should go in real quick to what makes the Targaryens so unique amongst the the other noble houses of uh, Westeros. In that, I mean, they really originated in Old Valyria, and they left mm-hmm. because of a prophecy of the doom to come. Yeah, which was pretty interesting. That that Valyria, you know, we see that in the show when when Tyrion and um and Jorah go through there on the boat, but what was it probably like three, 400 years before it was actually a pretty happening place with, and the Targaryens were just kind of a minor family that one of the, the daughters had a a prophecy of these volcanoes erupting and basically destroying all of Valeria. And so they fled to Dragonstone. Yeah. Yeah. The Targaryens have a history. Their dreams matter. So the dreams of the Targaryens are called dragon dreams. Um, but it started with that that daughter. Her name was Dana the Dreamer, I believe. Is that right? Dana the Dreamer? And she dreamt that, that, uh, that something terrible was going to happen. Um, and so their whole family got up and moved to Dragonstone. And all the other dragon lords in the Valyrian Freehold like, kind of mocked them for it. Like, y'all are stupid. Like, what's going to happen? Like, we're Valyria. Like, who's going to fight us? You know? Like, the biggest kid on the playground. Um, <laughs> but... Um, she was right, and so they ended up being the only family really left in the world with dragons, um, them and the Valerians. But mm-hmm. the, they've been completely removed from the show. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of epic too. Yeah, that with the Targaryens is one of my favorite mythologies of the show, and it's not even that old of a mythology. It only takes place, you know, Aegon the Conqueror was what like two hundred and fifty years or so before the events of the show. Right now, yeah. And, I mean, how long do you think that guy had visions of conquest in Westerosi? Because, I mean, he had the painted map made that we see. I love that we see that in the show. That big table that we see in in Dragonstone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And, I don't know, just the fact that at the time it was, it was like, was it seven warring kingdoms? Yeah, that seven always. Yeah, they were always at each other's throats, and basically he just, from what I read in in the one book that I've been flipping through, is that one of those kings made him an offer to like marry off one of his daughters. Yeah, Dorn. It was it was the Dornish king. Okay, yeah, and that pissed him off, and so he was like, "All right, I'm just taking over all this. I'm I'm tired of seeing all the squabbling next door, and I know I have the power to take it over." And within two years he, he was sitting on the iron throne and that whole story of Aegon the conqueror is just one of my absolute favorites yeah it's it's, it's legendary stuff man i mean Aegon Aegon's story is so cool one because Aegon is like he's he's a rare breed in that he's a good admi- he's a good like administrator while also being a good warrior and being a good leader like the things that Aegon did if you could just like, if they could just keep those things up, everything would be fine. Like his his management of the of the faith of the seven and adopting the seven was was successful. His like stat like he would defeat people in battle and then he would forgive them if they swore fealty. So he made loyal allies out of people who could have been enemies. Um, he was smart about using his dragons. He was a great military mind. I mean, he's like a once in a 
once in an era kind of leader who was lucky to have like you know three dragons which makes things pretty easy (laughs) (laughs) and in that creepy targaryen manner he married not one but both of his sisters Yeah, it is. It is said that he married the older sister out of duty and the younger sister out of desire. (laughs) Ew. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, one of the one of the other things that uh, that they talk about inside the books concerning Aegon's conquest was that uh, the the Targaryens landed in Dragonstone. And that was their hold for a long time, but it wasn't rich in resources and they didn't have a whole lot of followers at the very beginning. And there wasn't a whole lot uh, to, uh, there were not, there wasn't a whole lot to, to behind them as, as far as like planning a conquest goes. So it kind of just goes to show how much more impressive this man was because it kind of, he kind of did it. Like with, with his mind in Three Dragons, of course, but I mean he he was able to to create a following everywhere that he went. Uh, like 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 has already been said. Like not only did he conquer, but he he then made the people that he conquered fall in love with him. So uh, I don't know. That's a that is definitely a very very special sort of guy. Oh yeah, and he made his throne out of the blades of his enemies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was it in, in the books do they say it's ten thousand swords or a thousand swords not too sure yeah i can't remember i can't remember i know in the show was the it's a fan- built at that time was the wall i think the wall would have been built years before that the children of the before. forest helped with that right yeah thousands yeah of years, thousands of years before mm-hmm. so the long match was also before the before that also yeah. The White Walkers were also before that. Oh. The yeah, Long the, Night was, yeah. the Long was, was like so long. years ago or something like that? Yeah. It's it's like longer than human like human history can remember. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a long time ago, if you can imagine. Like mm-hmm. longer than anyone could remember. Right. That's like us trying to make sense of Gobekli Tepe, which is like twelve thousand years old. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, one of the other uh, things I wanted to get into is some of the biggest shocks. We I know we've been talking a lot about books and pre-show history and stuff, but what were some of your favorite shocks in the show? Um, Hanan, you had mentioned The Red Wedding. Do you think that was your favorite one? Mm, yeah, I guess so. I love... The last battle between um, Daenerys and Jaime the Lannister. That was also a big shock for me. Who were you rooting for in that battle? Uh, at, this po- at this point, I'm fully on Daenerys' side. Mm. I mean, I didn't want to see Jaime die at all. But at the same time, it's like... When Bronn was loading up that, what was they, what they called that, the scorpion, that big giant, like, ballista, yeah. like, yeah. I was, like, standing, watching it. And I'm like, no, no, you motherfucker, I love you, Bronn, but if you kill a dragon. Oh, and I know a lot of people were upset with season seven. They said it had inferior writing and stuff. Apparently, I'm pretty easily amused because I loved the hell out of it. 
I'm with you, man. I'm with you. All these people are complaining. And I'm like, what are y'all talking about? I love this. This was the most confusing battle I ever seen because I was like, don't kill the dragon. Don't kill Jamie. Don't kill Daenerys. Don't kill. <laughs> I didn't know who I was going for. Like, stop. Just stop. You don't have to fight. Just stop. Just Braun, do the right this is thing. why I love this show because it's very confusing. I, I don't want anyone... All my favorite characters were there. I don't want anyone to die. Yes. <laughs> so now, I mean, that's what that's what's kind of funny about it is that he's gotten to this point where if peace is is really, you know, what the what the kingdom desires, it's also what us as viewers desire because we've fallen in love with so many different characters that are on different sides that it's almost like okay, we 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 almost feel the weight of the land, of the minds of the people. Like yes, we want we want peace too, and I find that that, that that's a that's a really interesting way that he's kind of aligned us with him in that way. But so, yeah, uh, can oh, I talk about my no? Yeah, let's no, do it. I was just going to ask you what your favorite like shocking moment was. <laughs> okay, or like my favorite episode nine is that what we were talking about? Yeah, sure. Because I mean, that tends to be where the big shocking moments. Yeah, are. sure. Okay, so. uh I think that we've talked about how Ramsey. Okay, first of all, not only is Ramsey alive in the books, he's also, if you can imagine, a lot worse, and he's also ugly. in the In the TV yeah. show, you know, relatively good looking guy. In the books, just hideous, just wildly, just disgusting looking. Um, and uh, and also some weird things in the books about him before I forget about it that are different that's gonna that's gonna take the the story different directions is that um, uh, um, what's his name the king boy the king beyond the wall Mance yeah Mance Raider Mance Raider is uh, Mance Raider did not die in the books he's still alive and he's working as a double and he's working as an agent disguised inside of Winterfell right now. Also, Ramsay didn't marry Sansa Stark. They sent a different girl. They sent her her friend Jane Poole and acted like it was Sansa Stark. So Ramsay, but he's still like wildly cruel to her. But Sansa is not with Ramsay right now. So, but anyway, uh, all that to say... Ramsey, I hate him so bad. The books still alive. Favorite episode nine, Battle of the Bastards. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so satisfying. <laughs> yeah, uh, for for obvious reasons. I mean, aside from the fact that it's some of the best TV that I've ever seen in my entire life, like maybe even some of the best on-screen production I've ever seen in my entire life. Like it was just so well done from front to back. Like how the battle kicked off to how it ended. I mean, it was also just deeply satisfying and gut-wrenching and, you know, just tore my heart out completely every step of the way. And, uh, I mean, it, it, it felt it felt really good, you know, uh, how finally uh, Ramsey, Ramsey got it. Oh, and what an epic way also. I mean, just with it cut into black right after that giant dog just takes out a chunk of his face. Yeah. Was great. Oh, that was satisfying. I like John beating his face in on the yes. ground. Yes. Punching him and punching him. It's like, yes, I hate you Dude, so much. And, and when he's walking forward and he's like just taking every one of those arrow shots on his shield like a fucking boss. 
(laughs) There is so much fucking awesome Jon Snow in that episode. When when he's out all by himself and all that cavalry is charging him and he's just holding the sword up all by himself. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, so many badass moments with him. Yeah. Yeah. I watched that episode with uh, my roommate, and my roommate at that moment just yelled, "You know nothing, Jon Snow." Just <laughs> 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 so, so right, just so. <laughs> Does it make yeah. everybody happy that that those two are like together in real life? Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. I think it's really sweet because <laughs> it's like, yeah, so okay, too. we got to have our hearts torn out in the show, but hey, in real life, they're actually pretty happy. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. There is this, uh, I don't know which show I, sh- I saw it in where he, he does this prank on her and he puts the head of Jon Snow, I don't know from where, in the fridge. <laughs> and she opens the fridge and she jumps and starts crying. Oh. And he was like, he made a prank on her. It was so funny. What's like so she actually got affected by it. <laughs> I've gotta look that up. It was so funny. I don't oh know which show it was on, Wait, are you saying was- that that they put his like severed head? His fake head, yeah. His fake head the they put in a, oh wow, that's something. <laughs> 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 ah, God, yeah, that's traumatizing. <laughs> have, have you all seen that video online? Of um, it was from one of the late night shows, um, and it's Jon Snow at a dinner party. Yes, it's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's a uh, Seth Meyers. It's Seth, Seth Meyers, Myers. yes. Yes, it's like Seth's having like this nice modern dinner party, but like Jon Snow is there and he's got like his big feathery cloak on and he's talking about the wall and about he's like he's like, I'm a bastard. I never knew my father. <laughs> like Seth's got him off to the side. He's like, dude, you do, you don't need to call yourself that. <laughs> and that oh one girl likes him, she likes him. Yeah, and the one guy down the table's like saying something about about winter. And he's like, he's like, you won't be laughing. Who the White Walkers come with pale spiders the size of hounds? <laughs> <laughs> and Seth takes him to the side. And he's like, I knew as soon as I said it, I knew it was too far. <laughs> it's brilliant. I'm gonna put it on the Startcast page. <laughs> so funny, so funny. <laughs> So it's great that you can see a character that's as badass as he is in this show and then do silly stuff, you know, outside the show. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Has anybody watched the other uh, HBO series that has him in it? No, I haven't. I haven't either. Uh, I was, I was interested in looking into it. Was it, what is it? The gunpowder something? Yeah. It's, um, it's, I think it's called, I think you're right. I think it is called gunpowder. Just gunpowder? Maybe yeah, gunpowder on HBO. I think it's um yeah, gunpowder. Isn't it it's about like um uh like US revolution spies or something like that? Is that right? Does I anyone think know? It's, uh, okay, uh you want me to just read the synopsis real quick? Yeah, do it. In 1603, as England is engaged in a war against Spain, tensions are high in domestic society due to brutal persecution of Catholics. Robert Catesby, a young Catholic nobleman who has recently lost both his wife and father 
and angry at his perception of punishment from society, conjures a literally explosive plot to kill King James I when he sits at the House of Parliament. Okay, so this is kind of about the gunpowder plot, maybe 5th of November type stuff? That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Catesby joins a group of equally aggrieved men, including the infamous Guy Fox. There we go. Nice. Uh, to enact vengeance in a series of events that are still commemorated in present-day Britain. So yeah, this is about the gun. This is about the 5th of November. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah, yeah I haven't heard anything about it. It sounds, it sounds good, man. Yeah, it like, does. V for Vendetta. With Jon Snow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's one of my favorite movies. V for Vendetta? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. I have great. to see it with subtitles because he talks so fast and the rhyming is so amazing. Yeah, and you can't see his lips move either, so that's all difficult. Yeah. I love that uh, movie. Have you ever read that comic? No. No, I haven't. I got I about actually, a, Oh, sorry, dude. I didn't no, even know. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't even know. <laughs> I was going to say, I got about a third of the way through the trade, and I was like, this is fucking boring. I quit reading it. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know if that's sacrilege or not. <laughs> oh, yeah, it actually is. You might want to edit that out, because Alan Moore wrote V for Vendetta. I know, I know, and that's why I'm like, I don't know if that's sacrilege, because I couldn't make it through an Alan Moore book. I mean, I loved Watchmen. But yeah. Yeah, no, but, no, no, you're you're in big trouble. That's a dangerous thing to say. <laughs> I stick by my opinions. I don't care. I'm also the no, guy that said cool. I didn't like the long Halloween. <laughs> that's also another sacrilege one, apparently. What? So I didn't. It was fucking boring. So that's wrong, what you just said right there. That's a, I don't know what's going on with you right now. This is a little this is a little unsettling for me. You said you didn't like which one was it? V the for Vendetta. Ho- oh, the long Halloween? Yeah. Okay, the the the, the best Batman book of all time is the one you're not a big fan <laughs> i know a lot of people are really big fans but it didn't uh-huh. it didn't get, but also i've only read it once and it was a long time ago the copy i bought it like when i opened it up the spine cracked right in half and like fell apart and so i had well, to be gonna ruin really, your experience yeah and so i had to be really careful while i was reading it but since it's come up in conversation so much lately i actually got on amazon and i bought a tube of book binding glue and I'm going to fix my trade because I'm too cheap to buy a new one. <laughs> so I'm going to fix my trade and I'll read it again and get back to you. And if I enjoy it, I will issue a formal apology because I'm yeah. cool like that. Well, I mean, you certainly will be issuing that apology because it is the greatest <laughs> comic book. I mean, it's really, really, really good. Oh, I'm confused right now because I haven't read Beaver Vendetta, uh, the comic book, but I did. Uh, I got it. Uh, for my uh, one of my one of my presents for my girlfriend for her last birthday because she's born on the fifth of November. Oh, nice! Yeah, and she's never seen the movie or read the read the comic book, and she said that she wanted to read it. So that was one of her one of her presents then. Uh, and she's working her way through right now. I don't know how far that she's gotten, but she's had plenty of time, so she's got to start. I mean, she's got school right now, but still. Um, <laughs> but yeah, nice. no, uh, I don't know. I I don't know. It would be kind of weird to go back and try to read it after seeing the movie, and I guess kind of knowing what happens, but. I mean, it's Alan Moore, so if I want to be a student of comic books, I probably do need to get around to it. Yeah, and see, I had read the or I had seen the movie a bunch of times, and I'm a huge fan of the movie. And so, as I'm reading the book, it was 
Yeah, I was almost having like the reverse of experience of what I usually have because usually if it's something where I've read the book first, like I'll put the book up on a higher pedestal. Sure. It, it's just the way it seems to go with a lot of stuff that I've read. But sure. yeah, I, I, I am going to go back and revisit it <laughs> because enough people whose opinions I respect have had the exact same reaction as you, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really I don't know what else to say. Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale are the are the power couple of the comic book world. Like I would I, I, I would read anything that they write. Uh, so, yeah, and that's their that's that's the that's their their greatest work together. So, yeah. I don't know. That's blowing my mind right now. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could throw you for a loop then. Yeah. This is but, why I'm scared to read the Game of Thrones books because I'm afraid they're gonna ruin the show for me. You think so? They won't. They won't. They're epic. They're so great. And at this point, like they're they're different enough that you can kind of treat them separately. But they're I mean, they are some of the best books I've ever read. Like they're they're just the scale and the depth. Um, the, it's a great compliment. Like I love both of them, even though I kind of approach them differently. Yeah, I mean, and it will take a while while you're reading them before it, it'll fill. Because I mean, the the first book and the first season follow each other very, 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 very closely. Um, so that that might feel like you're uh, just kind of reading. Uh, a, a slightly more expounded version of the script for the TV show. And then the second book's a little bit that way too, but the, the third, fourth and fifth definitely started apart. And by what, well, as soon as you get to the fifth, it will, it will feel like you've entered uh, a different reality than the TV show. That's awesome. I've got to get audible now. <laughs> you guys have got me sold. Can you gift books on Audible? Do you know? I have no idea. I just found out like last week that it's not that expensive. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the person to ask Audible questions to, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. If Joe, if you if you sign up for Audible, I will gift you the first Game of Thrones book. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, that's very generous of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I keep forgetting to use my credit, so I have seven credits saved up. So. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, like last month I was feeling a little bit more baller than usual, and so I signed up for Comixology Unlimited and Hulu because I was like, all right, I have to watch Runaways. Oh, so. it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> and so now it's like, oh, well, let's see. There's really nothing going on on Hulu right now that I'm obsessed over. So maybe I could just drop Hulu and then pick up Audible. But then if I'm doing that, then I'm going to fall way behind on the podcasts I listen to. And there's just too much awesome stuff out there right now. There's yeah. too much good content. It's hard to keep up. Yeah, I know. Look at us. Poor us. So much stuff to listen. To. <laughs> we have all these different ways to be entertained. Oh no! <laughs> uh, we should probably start talking about Game of Thrones again. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, what what was one of the saddest moments in the show for you? Anybody who wants to jump up first? Shireen, it's got to be Shireen. Yeah, yeah. 
No. 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 Oh no, no, she's she's far. She's a she's a very safe distance away from where her father so is right now. Away. I was mad. <laughs> so good. I was mad. Shireen's death was the it was the worst worst thing. And I you know, by the time Shireen dies, you're desensitized to people you like dying. You know what I mean? Like you're like, oh like if you like them they die. Rob's dead, everyone's dead. Who cares about life anymore? And then you see Shireen. And when she starts walking out and her dad, she's like talking to her dad and she's like, oh, like, what did you need me for? And you see the fire in the background and her mom is like crying and screaming and trying to get to her. And you can just hear her screaming in the background. Oh, her screaming is. (sighs) Yeah, it's a, it was, it was a very, very brutal moment. I mean, she's just such a sweet girl. Yeah, and, I mean, if anything, just a, just a light in the darkness, and oh god, to, I mean, just to know that even even extremely likable children aren't safe, like that. Extremely that was, likable children. Because <laughs> I mean, because because we, we've seen the dislike and the unlikable children die, but <laughs> right. Um, I that's a. I don't know. That was that was that was really bad. The, the screams, the screams. Uh, those will haunt my those will haunt my dreams. Oh, and then it was made even more sad when when Davos finds that charred oh, stag. Yeah. It was so bad. It, bro- it was legitimate PTSD. Like having to go through it all over again. Just like exactly. No. All for nothing. He doesn't even win the fight. He loses dismally. Yeah. Loses his head even. Fucking awful. So bad. We need happy moments instead of sad moments. What's your favorite (laughs) happy moment in the show? I have a favorite happy moment. (laughs) That was going to be my next question, so let's move on. (laughs) Yeah, because I think think that it's... That is clearly the saddest moment. It has to be. I mean, red, red wedding aside, that's... That's it. But, uh... Yeah, my my favorite moment in the show is, uh, and this is this is a moment that genuinely made me cry, was whenever uh, um, whenever Daenerys put the uh, put the pin for the hand of the king. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, love that. Tyrion. Whenever mm. Tyrion, I mean, it was just it was just so weird because you'd seen him be so capable for so long. And just disrespected through and through, and you know, it, it, you saw like how good of a person he genuinely was, and you, it, it's easy to see how somebody could be driven to be maybe a little bit, you know, less than less than a savory character, especially if that's the way that you're going to be treated your whole life, especially by your family. And to see, I kind of look on his face, and just just to see it all come to a head for him, to where somebody finally respects him for for what he can bring to the table i mean i don't know i sort of i i lost it completely like that was such a beautiful moment for me i'm with you man i'm i'm with you i i cried the look on on peter dinklage's face when she's <laughs> like oh <laughs> i'm gonna cry right now that was <laughs> oh that was my good. favorite my favorite moment is uh, 
the like Liana Stark speech, like the small girl when she's like, Your oh, love, yes. you refuse the call. <laughs> but and, and Bear Island, we know no king, but the king of the north, his name is Scott. I was just like, yes, fuck, yes. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. So good. <laughs> That was gonna be my favorite one too. Is when when they made John King of the North. That was incredible. <laughs> it was so good. Just so because she's just so small, and she's just like, "You refuse the call." Ah, uh, so good, so good. Love it, love it. <laughs> so, Hanan, what was your uh, most triumphant moment in the show? I think the Tyrion part. That was so happy. And yeah. the king with Tyrion is so cool. <laughs> yeah. And when he slapped Joffrey in the second episode, <laughs> he kept on slapping him. <laughs> that was a glorious I could moment. see 10 minutes of that slapping. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mr. Stark? Yeah, my my favorite moment like that made me the happiest was John getting made king of the north because like I don't know, the way that that one season ended with him you know being murdered by the night night's watch and then I just spent months afterwards just obsessing over all these details and doing weird research and shit online <laughs> and be like he he can't be dead, he's he's got to be coming back and then when he does and then just that whole build up after that and eventually because, I mean, it really seemed like Sansa was going to have the stronger claim. But then, you know, she stepped aside and kind of bolstered him up. And <laughs> I did not like that little look that exchanged between her and Littlefinger at the end of that season. And so, and so then I spent that whole next break worrying about that shit. <laughs> like, yeah. God damn it. The Starks are finally on track. Fucking Finally. <laughs> They've been getting nothing but shit sandwiches for all these seasons. And now she's got to give Littlefinger that look. She knows that he's a conniving shit. And so I love the way that that eventually <laughs> she, worked she out. She still knew. She still knew. And that was really good, how the Starks stuck together anyway, because I was so ready. I mean, I, I mean, I talk crap on the, the on the new season for being a little too happy, but at the same time, it did feel good to see good things happen to those characters and to see the Starks come out on top finally. Yes. I mean, that would have been my next happiest moment because I really didn't see it coming when Arya was being walked into that room and there was just soldiers everywhere. And I was like, oh, my God, Sansa's taking all these precautions because she knows <laughs> she knows that Arya could kill the fuck out of a lot of people and get get mm. out of this room. And then to turn it around and like all the charges that you think are being leveled against Arya are suddenly leveled against Baelish. Like, I felt the same way he did. I didn't see that shit coming. I bet I had that same shocked owl look on my face. Like, who? (laughs) (laughs) Who? (laughs) I'm with you, man. I was stunned. I was stunned. It was great. Yes, that was amazing. And then they didn't make any big deal out of it. I mean, like, Arya just, like, casually just cuts his throat. It's like, hey, bleed out on the stones. You're not the first, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) But then he started everything. He was the one who made John Aaron die by his wife, and so he started this whole series from the beginning. Oh, so yeah, 
Yeah, we little. should talk about Peter Baelish a little bit. I mean, and, and he had one of the best lines in that first season, too. The whole chaos is a ladder. When Brad said it, his face was so yeah. amazing. Yeah, that was great. I'm so shocked. How did he know? And what is going on here? What is happening? <laughs> I know everybody was weirded out by Bran and his total lack of social graces. <laughs> what happened? Like, okay, so he can see the past and the future. He comes back and he's a he's like an absolute social like pariah. Like, uh, I saw you, Sansa, the day you got raped. What are you on about? Yeah, yeah, why? Why, why would this should be the last thing you bring up to your sister? You fucking creep. No, <laughs> oh, hello. How are you? The weather's nice. It's good to be back in Winterfell. None of those. None of those things. You went straight for the rape. What is wrong with you, man? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love the observation that he uh, that it's amazing how he grew to look simultaneously like every single beetle at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I've never heard that. <laughs> him in that great hall singing the Ringo song. He's like, what would you do if my love ran away? I am the three-eyed raven. You are mad. Seriously, Benji, I'd never heard that before. That was awesome. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's completely true. Like, it's, it's his face is... He has it. I don't know. It's uh, it's amazing. Uh, it's a little unfortunate though, because it's clear that he was a good child actor, but he did not grow into a good uh, a preteen actor at all. Like I think that's it. I think that uh, from my point of view, the like his his the way that he acts. It isn't just because, you know, oh, he's eccentric now. It's because he can't act anymore. And he just kind of has to play a deadpan character because that's really all that he can deliver. That's what I'm seeing anyway. Yeah, I'm I mean, kind of with possible. you. I don't, I don't, go ahead. No, no, I was, that's all I was saying. Go ahead, man. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kind of with you. I don't think Book Brand is going to end up being as weird and, like, socially inept as Show Brand. I really do think, like, it is tough, though, like, when you cast a kid when he's eight, but it takes you seven years to get through the show, and he's, you know, he's 15, 16, 17 now, and it's just like, you're not as good as you were. Like, when you were eight, you were precocious, but now you just suck. Like, what's up? Yeah. Yeah, they can't all be the kids from Harry Potter, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. But I mean, even Maisie Williams, like, I mean, they, they nailed it with her. Like, She's she's been perfect all throughout, but I guess that's just the the gamble that you that you kind of take whenever you you plan on playing the long game with a child actor. Yeah, that's very true. That's kind of what happened. Did, did any of you see the movie Boyhood? Because that's like the worst example of it. No, I don't even know if I've heard of that. Yeah, it's a. It's I a, didn't see it. Yeah. Okay, but you you know what it is. That's yeah. The one where they show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a little bit of every year, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they, so yeah, the movie takes place with the same. Uh, it has um, two actors, uh, two famous actors in it. I, uh, 
Ooh, I can't remember anything tonight. Um, Ethan, uh, Ethan Hawk, and um, let me look it up real fast so that it doesn't drive me too crazy. But anyway, uh, the um, uh, the the story takes place surrounding these two kids, uh, this boy and his sister. Uh, it's Patricia Arquette, um, uh, and just their journey throughout uh, from being like, I think it's around eight, eight or nine all the way up through, uh, you know, to 18. So it's a, it's a movie shot across 10 years with the same kids. And while they casted two really good child actors, they both grew up to just be awful in every sense of the word. So it's weird because, you know, the, 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 the actual <laughs> actors, yeah, Patricia exactly. Arquette. Yeah. It's really, I, I, really long. I tried watching it, but every time I do, I fall asleep. <laughs> I don't. I do not blame you. I mean, even though Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette give really, really good performances, the movie is ultimately about the kids uh, and about the boy particularly. And like I said, I mean, he's by by the end of it, he's just un, unwatchable. And but but what are you gonna do? I mean, you've invested. 10 years into this one movie so you can't just give up on it but yeah do you think that director had like talks with himself and alone moments where he's like no no it's gonna be okay it's gonna uh, be okay yeah probably and patricia arquette still won uh actress uh of the year at the academy awards for it so it wasn't a total failure oh, totally. uh, and it was somewhat interesting but yeah definitely a disappointment from that front but anyway, back to Game of Thrones. <laughs> Peter Baelish. Peter Baelish. Peter, I think Peter's kind of a sad character because, like, the, and I think the books are better at explaining this as well than the show is. And I'm sorry to, like, just keep going on about how great the books are. No, like, please. I mean, that's <laughs> a, if it weren't for the books, we wouldn't have the show. And, yes. and I, love, I love the comparisons between the two. So, yeah, please. Well, in the books, Peter is kind of. Oops. Hello? Did I lose yeah. yes? No, you're still there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was weird. Uh, in the books, Peter is. <laughs> what, what, did, what was the last thing you all heard me say? <laughs> it sounded like you were opening up a bag of chips. <laughs> you know what I am. They're the Ritos. <laughs> just some full yeah. transparency real fast some absolute honesty here guys um, I'm like halfway through this bottle of scotch it's about Dorito time which is not you know it's, it is what it is <laughs> no you, you were saying that Baelish is uh, ultimately a sad character yeah he's sad because okay so Peter Baelish's motivations in the books stem from the fact that he is confused about something that happened when he was, like, 18 years old. He believes that um, Catelyn Stark was in love with him because after he... So in the show, you hear about the fact that Peter fought Ned's older brother, Brandon, right? Like, you guys heard about that? Yeah. Yeah. In the books, he, that happens. And then while he's recovering from his injuries, Catelyn's father, who was fostering him at the time, Hoster Tully locked him in his like in a tower in River Run so that like he would just stay there because he was an idiot. Um, and he didn't want Brandon Stark, who was supposed to marry his eldest daughter, to kill him. Um, so they locked him in this castle and Lysa, Catelyn's younger sister, 
like, goes up the castle, like, sneaks through with the help of the servants, and has sex with him. While they're having sex, um, Peter yells out, Catelyn. And that's what strains Lysa and Catelyn's relationship moving forward, is that Lysa was in love with Peter, Peter was in love with Catelyn, and Catelyn didn't love Peter. But Peter is under the belief that Lysa was Catelyn. His face was so swollen from the beating he took from Brandon that he couldn't see, and it was dark. And so he thought that Lysa was Catelyn, which is why he went through King's Landing telling everyone the stories of how he took Catelyn's virginity and how Catelyn really was in love with him but had to marry Ned, which wasn't true. It's all because he believed that Lysa actually, or that Catelyn actually loved him when it was Lysa. And so everything he does is like about proving that he was as good as Brandon or getting Lysa back or showing that the Starks aren't all they're cut out to be because they took the love of his life because he feels like they had a love that was stolen away from them by, by society, essentially. When in reality, it was just like, nah, like Lysa's crazy. Catelyn didn't love you and you got your ass kicked by Brandon. Like it just sucks for him. Like, and he doesn't know that how bad things really were. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel bad for him. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, gosh, I don't know. Like, I, I can imagine even even if uh, a girl turned me down at some point in my life, or if I, you know, I, I think that it still wouldn't lead me to be uh, quite the sociopath that he turned out to be. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, sure, he faced some tragedy, but the tragedy that he's caused is so exponentially greater than anything that he's ever experienced. So, yeah, it's it's, it's hard for me to relate to him in any way. So he's worse than Cersei, right? <laughs> no one's worse than Cersei. No one's worse than Cersei. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, hmm. Which he's, one? Yeah, he's he's up there, but I mean, I mean, okay, let's jump back to Cersei for a sec. What do you think the worst <laughs> thing she's done is? Like for me, it had to have been blowing up the sept. That was I mean, she, she looked pretty fucking pleased with herself when all those people were dying. I mean, she almost looked like she was screaming a little bit. Yeah, and I think that that was it. <laughs> she, she had a weird look on her face. Okay, I'm just saying what it is. <laughs> It was like she might have been leaning against the dryer when it was the washer when it was on the spin cycle or something. Maybe I don't know, but she was pretty thrilled that that thing went up in wildfire. She absolutely was. Look at her face; her bottom lip is trembling. She's so excited. Well, okay, and that's not the first instance. Or that might be the first instance, but it's not the last. I mean, after she does, after she murders, um. Oh, this Alaria uh, uh, Sand in the one Sand Snake, and then she goes and Ooh. bones the Kingslayer. <laughs> yeah, just saying, she gets yeah. turned on by murder. Yeah, she's she's yeah. messed up. She's yeah, messed up. yeah. I mean, with with that as evidence, it's pretty clear that she's not just doing it for her family. Like she's a uh, she's got some deeper stuff going on with her. There's some, I don't know, it seems like there's some supernatural type of evil that exists in the Westerosi world 
just in people in general and it just all just like just popped up within like a couple of people in each generation and they all somehow rise to power because Ramsey and Cersei and Joffrey and Peter, I mean, I don't know. That's a, that's like a, a collection of, of just unthinkable, just terrible evil. Yeah. But and the Mad it's still, King but it's still different ki- types of evil though. But yeah, the Mad King also. But yeah, just like this weird madness that seems to just haunt Westerosi, just Westeros all overall. You know what I mean? Now, do you think that that's just, I don't know, just, that's just. (laughs) (laughs) He's going back in time and messing everyone up. Yes, yes. That that, that does bear discussion, but. Like, do you think that that evil happens just because that's just the way it's written? Or do you think it's possible that that's like maybe an influence of like the Night King or something like that? Yeah, you know, I, I'm almost inclined to believe, uh, I, I, I think that it just might be, I think that there might be some kind of outside influence that's causing, uh, these people to behave in the ways that they do. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe that's just the way it is. But yeah, uh, it, it the way the way that their evil is described, it, it does seem somewhat supernatural to to me, at least. But they're based on real people, most of them. Yeah, uh, I think that the core characters are based on you know the real life uh, players from the War of Roses, yeah. but. Um, but I think that in the context of like the, the fantasy world, I wouldn't put it past George R. R. Martin to to somehow uh, deliver a plot element that explains uh, why. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it's just you know people are bad. But I mean, I've I don't know about y'all, but I don't know if I've ever experienced in any in any form character a character as just wildly evil as ramsey bolton um either in the show or in uh or in a novelized form like he's he's just he's just something else like that was that 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 must have been born from a very very scary part of george r, r. martin's mind <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm glad that he's not a that he's not a healthy looking guy. Otherwise, he'd probably be you know be out there taking people out. But gosh, it's, I know it's scary. And, and how crazy the do you think Ramsey turned out that way because of House Bolton and him aspiring to be? I mean, because he was a bastard. But more than anything, he wanted to be recognized by Roos. And, you know, the sigil is the flayed man. So do you think he more played into that? Or it's just that the Boltons in general have all got to fucking screw loose on some level. And Ramsey's just a special sort of level of it, you know? Well, he's not just a bastard. He's a bastard born of rape. Like, yeah. his dad raped his mom. And so underneath, was, well, underneath the swinging corpse of her husband. Exactly. Like, Let's not well, forget about that. <laughs> He was he, like he was he was fucked from the beginning. Like there was never a chance that he was gonna be okay. Like it was gonna be bad no matter what happened. So, wow. Why did the Starks put up with the Boltons? 
I mean, because That's they even said that the, the skins of like previous Stark Kings were still in the Dreadfort. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think maybe just because of the influence that they had over their portion of land. I mean, they were obviously a very powerful family. I think that they were just trying to keep the peace. Because I think that, I don't know, I think that that might be the greatest sin of the Starks overall, is that uh, even though some of them were very noble and valiant, uh, a whole lot of them were complacent, it seemed. That'd be a good way of putting it. The Kings of Winter also, like, before Aegon's conquest, like the kings in the north, the kings of winter, um, which were the old Stark kings, really had a lot of trouble with rebellions. Mm-hmm. And I think the the best way they could figure to keep like the peace, like you said, um, was to kind of like elevate former kingdoms, like the heads of former kingdoms, to lordships, like petty lordships. Um, and I think they just they did with the Dreadfort what they did. Um, with Mount Kalen, what they did with the Cranach men, what they did with everyone else who was part of the North, but the Boltons just were fucking crazy and just wouldn't take it, and were just kept being little subver- like little subversive, uh, like thorns in their sides. Uh, but I think Roos is kind of a special brand of his own evil. Like I think he's he's specially is just a, a bad seed also. Yeah, yeah, I'd uh, I'd agree with that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I, maybe it's just you know I don't want to believe that even in this fictional world, somebody as a uh, as evil as that can can just exist and be the way that it is without some kind of external cause. But um, hmm, I don't know. We haven't talked about Varys. He's also one of my favorite characters. Oh yeah, yeah, he's super intriguing. Um, so how, how is he different in the books than in the show? Um, hmm. uh, in the books, he, uh, by the end of the, the last book, um, which is where the city is under attack, Varys is, they don't know where he is for the better part of the book, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but at the very end, he shows up whenever um uh kevin lannister is acting as king at that point i believe and uh he is killed by Varys's uh children's assassins his spider so to speak it's revealed that like that's how he knows all his information all the children i think that they explore that in the in the in the tv show a little bit but in the books like apparently he has these just deadly spy uh, spies that are kids, like these little ragamuffin things that are like running around that are like, they like all crawl out of the walls and just stab him to death. Um, wow. That's creepy. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So Varys has some, has some wild stuff going on. I don't know. He's playing his own game. Um, I don't know why he thought it best for Kevin to die, but um, yeah, Varys is, Varys is up to something. I think, I think that he's a he's a yeah he's a he's he's on a he's on um uh, gl- uh little Griff's side, right? Yeah. Y'all there? <laughs> yeah, we can. Uh, I I want to jump back to to what Hanan had brought up a little bit ago with with Bren and like the time jumping stuff because there's a theory that 
brand is actually all these different frame famous brands throughout history. Mm. Like it was a brand that first built the wall called brand, the builder. And he'd also built like Winterfell and stuff like that. But it could just be that that was a popular name amongst Starks. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's a, that's, that's really, I mean, it's definitely possible and it would be a really interesting way to take it. Um, it would really kind of di- even further diversify this genre of, um, you know, low to high fantasy slash zombies slash now adding this sci-fi favorite element of time travel into it, uh, time travel of sorts, I guess, um, and kind of messing with the past. Uh, that would be that would be really really interesting to kind of get some butterfly effect kind of flashpoint elements inside of the story as well. Yeah, cause it could, I mean, so, yeah. Go ahead, dude. No, I was just gonna say I'm not I'm not a huge fan of like that as a concept. Um, I think it's too easy, especially because um, if you go through the world of ice and fire, like the world book, um, the encyclopedia, there's like already pretty like established theories for who Brandon the Builder was. He's supposed to be the son of, um, uh, what's it? Garth the Greenhand or, you know, the founder of house, um, Terrell, the, the, they came from, I think, um, I don't love the idea of brand being the brand throughout all of history for the Starks. Um, because I think if you, it, it will diminish, the sacrifice that characters who are going to deal with brand today will feel, um, you know, like, because one, there's a three eyed Raven right now who I think is blood Raven. And if, if it's blood Raven, then how come he didn't have that same impact throughout the history of known man? And there's all kinds of questions about what happens to people when they they interact with brand, um, through the weird weirwood network throughout history. Uh, and I have to think he's smart enough not to just be the guy who built the wall and built Storm's End and built Winterfell, uh, all these like epic places. I, I think it, it, it works better if, like most other houses in, in, Winter, in Westeros, it's just a common name that they keep using over and over and over again. And this brand has its own destiny and is going to do something new. I'm not a huge fan of the idea of him time traveling. Um, to be honest. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there as well. I'd, I'd rather it be that these were real historical figures and and also we don't need to see the multi-beetle going on that journey. <laughs> oh, man. That, that is the best thing I've heard all day. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to think it every time I see him now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think that uh, the way that they can that they can spin it to to make it to where it would be a little better for me isn't necessarily that he is the Brandons from the past, but that he, he inhabits the brands of the past. Yeah, because that would have to be how it worked, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know, but I I don't. I also it would be kind of weird if he was them the whole time, because I don't know. Because I it's not like he would then name himself. Uh, I, we're getting into weird paradoxes here. It's not like he <laughs> entered that brand and he's like, I am brand because now I say so I'm brand the builder. I'm from the future. Uh, 
I don't know that that would that would kind of get confusing for me. I, I think that maybe uh, if that if that were to work, he would just go back visit as them. I don't think that he would have just been them the whole time. That'd be taxing. I like that he influences events more than him being the other character. The same with yeah. Hodor, so he can go back and influence events that may be important events, but not him being those characters. Yeah, I mean, that'd be a really good take on it, because, I mean, the thing with Hodor, it it happened out of necessity, but it also happened completely out of accident, you know, because he didn't intend for that to happen as a result. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but one of the things we're touching on here is that, you know, this deep history in, in Westeros and one of the intriguing ones for me is the the first men and their interactions with the children of the forest and kind of all that stuff that happened back then and we touch in some of that stuff in the show like when we see them at the the when the the knights brothers go north of the wall and they find the dragon glass at the fist of the at the fist of the first men like i don't know that deep history stuff in this show is so it's just so cool to me. It's so intriguing. Mm-hmm. Do yeah, they bring I'm up the you. first men much in the books? I would argue probably more. Like the like yeah. the history of the world is is like way more prominent in the books. Um, to the extent that there are whole like like massive questions that the the book readers are are trying to figure out. Like where the hell is the sword Blackfire or how did the first men get to uh, Westeros? Or, um, you know, the, they talk about the Age of Heroes, and they talk about all these people who were knights during the Age of Heroes, but the Age of Heroes predates the concept of knighthood. So, like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the history of the world is more prominent in the books than, I, than it is in the show. So what would you say would be your favorite mythology that has been introduced so far? Uh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be the sword Blackfire. The history of the sword Blackfire is, is my favorite, like history, historical mythology bit of the show. It's, it's the, 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 the ancient Valyrian steel blade that, um, house Targaryen had. It was a sword of Aegon the Conqueror. It was a sword of every, eldest son of house targaryen throughout history it's supposed to be like this incredibly powerful blade no man who stands before it can 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 win and it's just gone it's vanished it's somewhere in essos or somewhere with the 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 um, uh the golden company no one knows where it is and it, it's it's my favorite thing absolutely that's awesome how about you benji Hmm. That's a good question. I might need to think on that for a little bit as far as the the deeper mythology goes. Sure. Uh, How about you, Hanan? Do you have a favorite mythology? The sword you mentioned um, is the the story where that person killed his wife with it? Yeah, the Lightbringer. Yeah. Yeah, this one, this is the mythology you, you like, right? 
because that's the one I like when I don't know the story. I, I, I heard it lots of times, but I don't know it very well. So that you, there you, could be a sacrifice for it. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you like the Lightbringer sword mythology? Yeah. 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 See, I think mine was... Um, uh, okay, so there was... The first men came across, and then at first they got along with the children of the forest, and the children of the forest kind of... They worked together. And then something happened to where the first men started kind of disrespecting the land and cutting down the weirwood trees. And then there was a war with the children of the forest. And then down where Dorn is at one time, Westeros and Essos connected and they say the children of the forest worked some great magic spell and actually like destroyed that isthmus. And that's always been super intriguing to me that at one time there was magic powerful enough that they could actually shatter the land. And maybe make the white walkers too, depending on who you believe. Yeah, I mean, that was fucking crazy in the show. Like, I couldn't believe what I was watching there. That was wild. And wild. They, and the, they showed that Arrowhead Mountain in the distance, too. And so that was kind of a tease in, in the seventh season to me that, you know, they were having this vision in the flames of this Arrowhead Mountain. I'm like, okay, this is going to have something to do with where the White Walkers come from, right? Because this is where we saw that first one get made. Because that first one that got made, he, he turned into the Night's King, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you you would think so. And if you read the books, in the books they say that the Night King, the 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 original Night King, who's an actual like historical figure in the books as well, um, but they say that as far as anyone can remember, he was a Stark. That's what yes. I thought. That he was one of the early like uh, commanders of the the Night's Watch, right? Yeah, who fell in love with a a corpse bride of some sort and sold his soul to the darkness and became the night's king. Um, and in the show, they kind of changed it to make it that he was a white Walker. The white walkers in the, in the books don't really have a leader as much, but in the show, it's definitely the Knights. It's, I mean, he's been billed as the night's king. And so if that's him, he's probably a Stark, which is crazy. That does make it crazy, especially seeing how his main nemesis so far has been, you know, Jon Snow. And yeah. Bran. And Bran, you know? And Bran as well. I mean, Bran's made a little bit more stupid mistakes. Because <laughs> he sucks. He sucks at <laughs> How freaked out were you when he got grabbed in a vision, though? Well, I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, uh, it's just like, it's like in a horror movie. When they're all like, oh, we should go hide in the basement and throw our phones away. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh. <laughs> uh, so does it give much description in the books about the White Walkers? Or is, do they remain much more mysterious in the books? Yeah, they're a lot more mysterious in the books. Uh, yeah, infinite, infinitely more so. In fact, uh, my memories are kind of hazy, but I'm not, I'm not completely certain if, I mean, I don't think that the, that anybody in the book has actually seen the Night King yet. Is that right? Yeah. Or am I forgetting something? No, you're, you're absolutely right. There's no real word about whether there is a Night King in the book yet. Hanan, did the, uh, White Walkers 
portion of the story eventually grow on you, or is that still one of your least favorite parts of it? I still, I, I'm still not really into it, especially the part where they had to bring one of them back and show Cersei and that whole storyline. I didn't like it so much. It felt so weird, and they just, it felt like they wanted the Night King to have a dragon, and that's the only way they thought. Yeah, to that's what I was just going to say, too. Yeah, you're probably right. So... I really didn't like that. It felt like a way to give up a dragon uh, and to just get all those characters in the same place at the same time for kind of a fan service move. You know? Because, I mean, I don't know, seeing the Hound and Jon Snow interact. uh, And Jorah. Yeah. 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 And Jorah. Yeah. Just to have all of those characters together. I think that that's the, that was the the main functionality of that move. It it, it kind of was a it was a very 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 odd way to go about things. I don't know how else they would have done it, but that's a that's about as awful as a plan as I've ever heard. <laughs> In that episode, it it had really cool moments with this battle that took place on that island in the middle of the frozen lake and everything, but it also had two super borderline silly moments where we got to see like Westerosi Olympic athletes between, you know, the marathon running and the javelin throwing. (laughs) It's like two gold medals in one episode. Holy shit. And like, you all understand that this motherfucker can bring shit back from the dead and y'all just left the dragon. Y'all didn't burn the dragon. Y'all didn't give a shit about the dragon? Like, what was your plan here? Like, what was what was the plan? Why did you take three dragons? What was the goal of the other two dragons? Like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Dude, I heard an argument that that was all Daenerys' fault, that, that that dragon died because she had neglected the two little ones and not trained them well enough for battle. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's a little harsh, but I see where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's harsh. That's it, because that's what they—that's what they've consistently hearkened upon—is that if you keep a dragon chained up, then it's not going to grow uh, to it to its full potential in size or in uh, ability in combat. So it kind of is her fault because she uh, she feared its power and how it would affect those around her. Um, so she might have saved some lives, maybe, maybe not, but she lost one of her dragons, so. Yeah, kind of jump into the dragons here a little bit. What do y'all think of the dragons? I mean, it's been it was teased throughout the whole first episode, and then it's like we've just been waiting with bated breath, and now we see him actually doing some pretty badass shit. But Night King's got one also now, so stakes are definitely raised going into season eight. I love it. I love the dragons. My only problem with the dragons is that killing a dragon in the of the Night King getting a dragon were not enough deaths for me in season seven, if that makes any sense. Like, I wanted, like, a Clegane death. I wanted maybe a Gendry death. Like, I definitely wanted a Beric Dondarrion death. Like, I did not want that whole group that went into the north to go fight or to bring a, a, a White Walker back or a... Um, a what are they called? A, a white? A white back. I didn't mm-hmm. care for that. I wanted them 
to die. Like, I, that sounds awful. But, like, the show has built someone, me up to know that people die. Someone known to die, not just strangers. Uh, I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, the real lesson was don't take a spear up north and wear yeah, a hood. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> I heard somebody call them sled shirts. <laughs> it's kind of like the take on the red shirts in Star Trek. <laughs> we saw Liana die. Yeah, in the flashback? No, uh, not Liana. Uh, what's her name? Marjorie's grandmother? Oh, man, she had a mic drop, mo- mic drop moment before her death, too. That was fantastic. <laughs> That's a happy moment, too. That was dope. Oh, yeah. and then the look on Jamie's face when he's finding that out. That was great. It was it was legend. That uh Elena Tyrell is one of the best characters in the books and in the movie in the show as well. And yeah, she's got a she's lot of great a, lines. Oh go she ahead. Does. Benji. Yeah, no, she she was definitely uh kind of a breath of fresh air in the books, especially. Because all of a sudden, this formidable there was this formidable force against the Lannisters inside this tiny old woman, and even though the rest of her family seemed like they were bending to the to the Lannisters' wills, like something about her being there, it was just a it was just a comforting presence because she was one of the first people to be kind to Sansa um, inside the books. And uh, she genuinely was, and uh, I don't know. She's just very quick-witted, um, uh, just obviously can take on the world even in her frail in her frail state. So uh, yeah, um, I expected nothing less of her whenever uh, she finally, uh, whenever she died inside the the TV show, um, she went out with a big old bang. Did anybody expect Jamie to pull his sword and run her through at the end? <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, I, no, I think that I think that he's 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 done with that. Yeah, he's I, done with that. Season one. I like Jamie. the whole war planning. Jamie's plan. The whole season seven. Well, where yeah. um, they left, uh, they left uh, what do you call their place? The Lannisters. Castle Rock? Yeah, Castle Rock. And then they attacked uh, Dor. Well, I'm confused about the places. <laughs> the whole plan I got that he did to win uh, the war and how they destroyed and the they- army. That was a really smart fighting technique. So that was one of uh, season seven's major plots that I really liked. Yeah, and it, it really added in well it made it more bittersweet because we were seeing Tyrion have so many defeats yeah well he's not a military mind I mean that's why like the show had to kill Barristan Selmy because they they if they were gonna bring Barristan back over he's one of the greatest military minds in the kingdom at this point right like he's a, a very old very accomplished military leader but Tyrion, he doesn't fight in battles he doesn't know what, the, what he's doing you know like mm-hmm. everything he's seen he's seen in books and he's kind of consumed with his own agenda right like he wants casserly rock because everyone told him he couldn't have it yeah so he's kind of being blinded by his own desires there and it's 
whether he's conscious of it or not, it's leading him astray. That was a really interesting part of that season. For sure. Uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up that I, uh, when we were talking about dragons, was the destruction of Heron Hall was a really cool part of um, of that lore. lore with the dragons. Yeah. Um, do uh, do one of you guys want to kind of give a quick background on what made Heron Hall special? Um, I can give a, a probably a rough description, but I can't remember the finer details. Yeah, I don't remember the names uh, involved or anything, but yeah, go for it, man. Yeah, uh, so there was a there was a king, uh, not a king, um, a lord of sorts that um, I suppose thought that he could rebel against uh, the Targaryens at one point, and thought that since he had uh, such a such a formidable uh, castle in place, uh, Hall being the the largest structure I believe in all of Westeros. Um, he thought that he could withstand their assaults, and I mean, all that it took was the the dragon showing up to uh to the to to, to it didn't I guess not necessarily it didn't burn the castle because it's all made of stone, but it did melt and bend the castle in certain ways. So it has this kind of crooked um feel to it, and the towers are twisted at certain points, and uh, it's. For the for the most part, still in ruins, so uh, it's partway has ha, uh, hospitable, uh, I mean habitable, and partway uh, uninhabitable. So uh, it's a it's a very odd uh, point because it's also a strategic location. It's strategic as far as battles go, um, being kind of in the middle of everything. Uh, so it uh, nobody really lives there uh, in times of peace necessarily because it's considered to be a haunted location with all the souls that died whenever the dragons attacked. Um, uh, but um, right now it's kind of being traded as a as a chip to some to some lesser lords to say you know if you'll do this for us we'll give you hair and all because everybody that actually knows what's going on with it doesn't want Heron Hall yeah. because it because it is because it is haunted and because it needs so much work and that's that place where we saw Tywin hold up where Arya was being held prisoner with um with uh Gendry and where she first met um oh fuck his name's escaping me the Jack faceless Nicole. man yes there you go and yeah. um and we saw uh, the tickler and the mountain and everything. And so, I mean, th- we got to see some fucked up stuff just in the show going on there. Yeah. Fun fact, uh, Arya and Tywin Lannister never meet each other in the books. Yep. Oh, really? Yes. None of that's yep. in the book? Uh, I mean, some of that stuff's in the book. The the tickler, the stuff with the tickler doesn't happen at Harrenhal. Um, but he is introduced and he is a bad dude. But yeah, uh, yeah Roose Bolton. Um, is uh is the is the main dude that she deals with at Heron Hall. Uh, yeah, that I can remember. Wow, I mean, God, and just thinking of the tickler also with that that method of torture of putting a rat inside a steel bowl and then putting a torch against it, and so that rat just claws through the person's mm-hmm. belly to get away. That's so brutal. Oh, it's it so-, so fucked up. Yeah. 
I mean, th- there's a lot of really fucked up deaths in this. Um, yeah, we didn't even talk about the Cleganes just overall. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah let's talk about the Cleganes for a moment. Uh, I mean, that's that a, that's story a... starts out tragically just when they were boys, you know? Mm-hmm. Gregor's a monster, man. Yeah, that's just another character with that supernatural evil existing inside of him. Just kind of born just destructive and just maleficent uh burning his brother's face like that over uh, a toy over a toy yeah mm-hmm. sickening man so how about that transformation we see the mountain go through later on after he loses i mean oh my god and how did we not bring up that character Oberin. <laughs> How did we not bring up Oberin? Oh, yeah, wow. Oberin. Oberin's one of my favorites. He's uh, yeah, he's love- really really cool in the books as well. I love all the Dornishmen. All the Dornish people are are just epic. They're so cool. They have maybe the best house words. Also, unbent, unbowed, unbroken. Unbowed. Yeah. Did I mess it up? <laughs> uh, no, I, that's right. That's right. And it's true because, like, I, I think that it goes that nobody's ever invaded and conquered Dorne. Dorne's always made a deal of some sort. Like, th- their land's never been ransacked. They, they, uh, it, it's, it's very interesting because it's weird because they're seen as lesser by a lot of the other houses inside of Westeros. But at the same time, they've kind of proved to be a, a most formidable house having never been taken in times of battle. And they were able to keep their monarchy titles also. Yes. Sorry, yeah, on. we keep getting, we keep cutting you, cutting you off. That's <laughs> <laughs> so fine. I really wanted more from the fans. They said the books were so much better. In their yeah. They don't suck in the books. They suck in the show. Mm-hmm. The sand snakes are epic in the books, but they like, in the show they're so whiny and petulant and stupid and objectified. It's just it's horrid. They are the worst part of the show, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't have any complaints. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, it, it was it was definitely disappointing. Uh, the in the in the books, the sand snakes are really really it. good. Yeah, I didn't expect that oh, either. Doesn't one doesn't one of the Martells try and go and uh, impress Daenerys by going into those dragons that she has down in the keep, and it, it does not go the way he wants. Quentin. Yeah. Poor <laughs> well, he Wait, is that is that in the TV shows? Is Quentin in the TV show? No. No. Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't remember. But yeah, yeah, Quentin. Quentin does make it. That, that's another character that that's that's devoid. But yeah, the, the prince, the prince of Dorne, goes and tries to woo Daenerys, and uh, yeah, gets eaten. Also, he has a sister named Arianne, who's like a major character. Like, yeah, fairly major character in the books, and she's not in the show at all. And she's like way more responsible for the stuff that happens with Marcella, mm-hmm. which is like fairly different than it happens in the show. Yeah. Um, and she's like a, a pretty big character too. 
uh, like a lot of the stuff that they ascribe to like the mother of the sand snakes, like in the, sh- in the books, that's a different character. It's Ariane and she's kind of epic. And she like has a lover who's a member of the King's guard. And she, I mean, she's very, very talented at playing the game of Thrones. So they kind of, I don't know why they decided to just get rid of her. Yeah. I really loved the, the scene, uh, where, uh, She's being kept uh, um, basically a prisoner in her own room by her father, uh, and and she's been and everybody's been told not to talk to her, and it's just days, and you get to watch her mind kind of kind of unravel as she goes from this prideful person who thinks her father is extremely weak for not wanting to go to war with the Lannisters. Um, to kind of kind of crumbling um, under the weight of just like not having anybody to talk to. I thought that was a really really interesting way that he dealt with that. I've heard Doran. that that's one of the worst punishments you can inflict on a human being is solitary confinement. Yeah, yeah, it's both cruel and unusual. So justify that part of the U.S. legal system to yourself. <laughs> Let's not pull on that thread. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, one of the other Martell plots that I'd heard is really good in the book is just how strong that leader of that family is. And I'm blanking on his name right now, but the guy that had the, right. the gout and was con- confined to the chair. Yeah, Doran? is it Doran? Yeah, Doran. Yeah, I I heard that he's like a very, very awesome character in the book. Where everybody around him, even his daughter, believes that he's weak, but really, he's so good at playing things behind the scenes that you know he's he's more or less left alone. Yeah, and it's important that he appears weak for all that to continue as well. Uh, yeah. So I mean, he's he's yeah he's brilliant and and. Uh, and a much more compelling character, in my opinion, inside the books. Um, yeah, I think that that, that just kind of like his his character on the whole kind of shows if if it's any reflection of his ancestors why Dorn um, has never been taken because he is such a good leader. We haven't um, talked about the Greyjoys. <laughs> No, we haven't. Oh, gosh, there's so much to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) They're always forgotten. I just remember. Yeah, just the Ironborn in general. It's just crazy. I hated every scene of the Theon torture. Oh, yeah, that was rough to watch. There were so many of them. Theon, like, makes you question yourself as a person. You fucking hate Theon for, like, so long. And then he starts getting tortured, and you feel good about it. And then you feel bad about it. And then you're like, ah, this is this is probably a little too much. And then you're just, like, begging Ramsay to stop. Because you're like, please stop. This has gone too far. Like, he does not deserve this. Like, I was actually, yeah, I was actually begging Ramsey to kill him. Like, there was a certain point where it wasn't, like, out of anger. It was just like, you know, please just put him out of his misery. Like, somebody kill this guy. Like, he, like, he, that, that, that's probably the best case scenario for him at this point. Just please, just kill him. I mean, for his own sake. 
he's he's served his sentence in this life. He's received more pain. He's received at least as much pain as he ever dealt out. Like just just kill the guy. That's, that's what I so wanted. Bad. Just deep down, yeah. I wanted. Him to, I just wanted him to die just for his own good. Yeah, I mean, he's tortured so bad that he forgets who he is. Uh, it hurts, especially in the new season of the show when Euron takes his sister, Yara. Is that what she's? Her name is in the show, Yara. Yeah, and because they changed her name from what she was in the books, I don't. Um, yeah, but, Asha, Asha in the books, and then Yara. Yeah. I, then there, I don't know if there was any good reason for that. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it blows my mind. But when she like gets taken by Euron, and he jumps in the water because he's like having panic attacks about Ramsey, and you're just like, oh no, Neon, you've come so far, but you're so close, man. Like it's so it's so painful watching the most probably one of the most prideful characters be broken like that and then start to build himself up again and then just relapse. It's so painful to see that. Yeah, I totally agree. But then it immediately immediately made me think of one of the sillier parts of season seven where they had the Rochambeau contest. The kick, <laughs> the kick me in the Jimmy moment. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That was so silly. <laughs> in which theon discovers the plus of not having balls mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which uh gray worm has known for many years <laughs> do they take the pillar and the stones <laughs> <laughs> which made his sex scene gray worm's sex scene is one of the weirdest ones because i'm not really sure how it ends i don't know where it goes you know they fake the black <laughs> And I'm, I'm not sure what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> he can dry hump like a prepubescent teen. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's lots of stuff we haven't covered yet, but we should probably jump into some season eight expectations. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, winter has come. It's, you know, it's getting colder everywhere. We, we had that great vision that Daenerys had had at, um, oh, what was that tower? The tower, that weird tower where the weird people were, where they tried to steal her dragons and they uh, gave her that vision. And Karth, the, the, the warlock tower, is that what it's called? Something like that. Flux, yeah. The House of the Undying, maybe? House of the Undying, that's it. Okay. Yeah. And she had that vision where it showed the thor- thor- the the, bleh, the throne room in King's Landing. And it was like, was that snow falling? Was it ash falling? I mean, yeah, I, I... We see the wall come down and everything. So, I mean, the White Walkers are definitely going to be on the march heading south. Mm-hmm. And when you see Jamie leaving king's landing you can see the snow falling in king's landing um as he walks away yeah so i i don't know i think do you want me to tell you like my theory for how this how this is all gonna end yeah please i I think okay so i think um one i don't think uh daenerys and john can make it to the end of the show and i think everyone is expecting john to make it to the end of the show which makes me think that 
to beat the Night's King, Daenerys is going to be Azora High. She's going to have to sacrifice Jon to win. Um, and then she's going to beat the Night's King and die. I don't, and I think that will be the end of like monarchy in Westeros. You remember how she had the conversation with Tyrion about the fact that she couldn't have kids anymore and that there had to be a new way of picking a ruler, hinting towards democracy? I think they're going to move towards a democracy and that's going to be the end of the show. Like the end of the show is going to be the remaining lords picking a new king. And the king that they're going to pick is going to be like either Sansa or Tyrion, whichever one is still alive. And they're going to pick one of the two of them. And, and that's going to be in the show is that person getting crowned. And then we move on and it'll be sad. But I think they will both die. Yeah. I mean, fuck, that would definitely flip people on their heads to see both these main characters that we worried about for now eight seasons. <laughs> just, you know, just bite it in the end it's like shit <laughs> oh my i wouldn't God. put it past him what have i been doing for the last eight years if john <laughs> and daenerys both die in season in season eight does, does anybody think that there's a chance of a happy ending with, with yeah. john john and daenerys marrying and uh you know sharing the throne together as king and queen um, and now he's gonna find out well, I don't know if they'll necessarily matter in this universe. I mean, if anything, that's that's just that's just some light incest, right? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of kind of desensitized the whole thing. Is like, well, they aren't twins, so it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, we have perspective. Yeah, no, going back even, to the no, pilot no, episode, there's some years between that brother and sister. They weren't born simultaneously. That's not quite as weird, but yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> I don't know. That's fine. They're just half brother and sister, really, right? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, do you have any ideas, Benji? I do. I have some. I have some pretty, uh, pretty broad ideas. So, um, uh, there are are three characters that kill their mothers in childbirth um, that we know about. Uh, do you all, can you all uh, list them? Tyrion. Okay. Yeah. Tyrion. So Tyrion. And John. John. And? I can't think of the third one. I don't know. Um, okay. Uh, uh, Daenerys. Does her mother die in childbirth? Well, here's the here's I'm the thing. I'm not sure about that. Here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, this is this is where this is where things start to get tricky. Um, I don't think that Daenerys uh, um, is uh, um, Let me let me back up for a second. Um, let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about. Hmm, what angle do I want to go out this from? So I think, okay, uh, we have John, who is the uh, the son of Rhaegar. Okay. And then we have uh, Daenerys, who uh, believes that uh, she is the uh, daughter of 
uh, what was that king's name? Eris. Eris? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we have uh, um, her uh, the, the thing the thing that the thing that kind of that kind of confuses me about her past is that she consistently remembers a red door and a lemon tree. Um, but on the island where she know where she believes that she grew up, um, that sort of tree can't grow. Well, she doesn't remember growing up in Dragonstone. She was supposed to have grown up. No, that, that's in what I'm talking about. Cities, right? And that's where and where she believes that she did grow up. Um, uh, oh, I wish that I had all this information better installed inside of my head. But there's something odd going on there with her. So, um, I didn't look that up really fast, but I, I do believe that that she did kill her mother in child's birth uh, on Dragonstone or wherever it was. I think you are right. I yeah. Think you are right. So, so I think that that's something that is relatively consistent in the Targaryen uh, family is to kill your mother in childbirth. So we had Daenerys do it. We had Jon do it. So here's the thing: we know that Aerys, the Mad King, was in love with Joanna Lannister. Okay, yeah, I've heard, hear, I've heard a bit of this theory, so yeah, go we on. We hear about it a whole lot. Um, I believe that at some point, um, uh, Ares um, impregnated Joanna, and I think that Tywin knew there was a chance of that happening. And that's why he detests, I mean, aside from the fact that he's a dwarf, I think that's one of the reasons that he detests um, his son so much. Uh, I think that there's a good chance that Tywin turns out to be a Targaryen, not Tywin, that um, Tyrion turns out to be a Targaryen. And uh, um, what, what would essentially amount to Daenerys' older brother. Um, which is, uh, which is maybe a little bit more convincing inside the book because he looks a whole lot different inside the book. Like he's very deformed and he has, uh, his eyes don't match color and, uh, he, uh, so it's kind of hard to, to tell what his futures are and like to what family he would belong to. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that the, the three people, uh, that will be, Riding the dragons um, will be uh, uh, Tyrion, Daenerys, and John. Um, and that maybe at some point, um, like Alex been said, that uh, John might have to die uh, for the, or somebody might have to die for Lightbringer to come. And uh, yeah, um, I, I hope that 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 the monarchy is destroyed completely in some way, shape, or form. Because that, that I, I like Daenerys' plan, you know, um, about it being a each each uh, royal family is like a spoke on a wheel, and they just take turns being on top as they tra- as they like trample everybody in the kingdom. Um, so yeah, I hope that they come together and just wreck everything, and uh, somehow give the land over to the people. And maybe they could try out democracy for a little while. Who knows? 
Oh, yeah. I like that. It, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> Anand, do you have any ideas for where it could potentially go from here? Um, I just remember there's this prophecy where it was Daenerys, where she will have, I don't know where I heard of it, maybe another podcast. She had some, three people are going to try to kill her. Three people are, that's from the books, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's from the house of the undying. Did that finish the prophecy? Did Not we know yet. who all of them are? I don't think we know who all of them are yet. So she's supposed to have three great betrayals. One for blood, one for gold, and one for love. Um, and so it's not really sh- it's not really clear who those betrayals are as of yet. People people suspect that the first betrayal was Miri Mazdur, the Lazarene witch lady who betrayed her to kill Drogo. To yeah, for blood. Um, and the one for love people suspect will be Jorah Mormont, yeah. who betrayed her for love of 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 his home. Because he really does love Westeros, and all he ever wanted to do was go home, and that's why he worked as an informant against her. But the one for gold is much less clear. Um, it's much less clear who that is or what that will be, and we're not really sure about the one for love as of yet. But the one for blood is pretty clear. Um, but she is meant to have these three great betrayals um, before which she can um, go back to Westeros, where she has to slay a mummer's dragon as well. That so. the one for gold could be that maid, where the one that uh, she locked in that um, vault with that guy. I think it was in Marine, where she betrayed oh, and Karth. her. And Karth. Oh, it and could then be she her. She locked them in the vault. It could be her because she betrayed her for gold. You're right. You you know what? You that's probably it. That makes a lot of sense. True. But that's that's the only the prophecy that she will be betrayed three times, isn't there more to it? Yeah, it's, she'll light three fires: one for life, one for death, and one to love. She'll ride three mounts: one to bed, um, one to dread, I think it is, and one to love, and face three betrayals. Hmm. That's also an interesting prophecy. Um, yeah, they're never as straightforward as you want them to be either. So. <laughs> right? <laughs> Those damn prophecies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how Nostradamus got away with it, writing a bunch of vague shit. <laughs> in 2012, the sun will rise in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, word? <laughs> what do you think about Cersei's new baby? Oh she's yeah, not, she's not pregnant. She's gone through I menopause. I really <laughs> want her to die in childbirth. Like I love yeah. her, but I want her to die a good death. That's not. <laughs> she's she needs to die a better death than that. I think she's lying. I'm convinced she's going through menopause. I don't think it's her fault. I don't <laughs> think she knows. But like Cersei's whole thing about being the most beautiful and being youthful, and even the Valonqar prophecy ends by telling her that she'll be replaced by a queen who's younger and more beautiful. It fits that her the final feather that breaks the camel's back 
will be the fact that she's no longer fertile. Like she's currently going through menopause, but believes that she's pregnant because she hasn't had her menstrual cycle. And at some point they're going to realize, no, you're not pregnant. You're just old. And that's going to be the final thing that breaks her. And she's going to go crazy. Cause the prophecy states she'll have three, three children. Will she have, um, gold will be their hair and gold will be their shrouds. And she's had three kids and they're, all three of them are dead. So I don't think she can have another. Yeah. I thought she was doing that just to, uh, try to manipulate Jamie more. Yeah. Me too. But then I'd hear th- heard theories also that maybe it was Euron's baby. That would be wild. Right. Boy, how uncomfortable was that shit when he was flaunting with Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> he asked if she was amenable to a finger in the bum. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Euron is so great. He's also another character who, in the books and in the show, is very different. Yeah, in the books, he's he's not. Uh, he doesn't really. Oh, I don't even know what to say. Like, he he seems more like a legendary figure, like a like somebody from like a from Norse mythology. He shows up with one eye and a crew uh, from all around the world. Uh, he removed all of their tongues so they couldn't tell the tales of his evil to other people or they couldn't tell his secrets. So he's just he kind of has this like really mythological thing going on with him. Um, and uh, I don't know, he, he's still kind of seen as this base character who's out for himself and who loves uh, chaos, but he definitely has more of a uh, more of a legendary status inside the books. Yeah, he's not funny. He's like legitimately terrifying. He's not funny at all. He's just like <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna fuck some shit up. Like that, you know, is it's like it's bad. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Against my better judgment, I've been enjoying his character, but I think it probably is just because he says inappropriately funny things. It cracks me up. Yeah, the actor who plays Euron in the show is legit. He's hilarious. Like, his comedic timing, like, everything about him is so funny. Like, I love him. But in the books, he's, like, not funny. Like, it's. He, like, in the books, he used to, when he was a kid, he would sexually molest his younger brothers. Like that's why all the other Greyjoys hated him is because when they were children, he molested them. Like that's the kind of character he was in the books. So yeah, they changed him for the show. God damn. George R. R. Martin has got a <laughs> fucked up imagination, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. I don't really know how anybody writes something like that. and doesn't, and I mean, first of all, obviously, not a lot of people have taken this, this, like, have taken a step back and been like, "Wow, George R. R. Martin had this character living inside of him somewhere." But I don't know. I'd be kind of afraid if I was him to let that out, just, just, just for the fear that you know it might be able to be used against me in the court of law someday. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, this man is clearly unfit to to walk the streets. <laughs> right. <laughs> I always thought he based them on real people from history. So he's like, yeah, I based them on that person. So it's not real. 
that person existed one day. <laughs> there was a, a really good podcast that came out recently. Um, there's this dude named Daniele Bolelli, and he has a podcast called History on Fire. And there's another podcast that's a Game of Thrones one called History of Westeros. Yeah, I listened to that one, man. Yes, and, and those and Daniele Bolelli and the dude from History of Westeros teamed up together and they compared things that happen in Game of Thrones to like real historic events. And I mean you can really see that yeah, George R. R. Martin's fucked up, but I mean human history is actually way more fucked up. Way more fucked up. <laughs> like, way more. Like, when they talk about the Mashika, like, the Mashika who, like, legit shit flayed people in real life. And yeah. you're just like, oh, man, like, that's not a joke. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, like, people really have been killed by having molten gold poured down their fucking throats and shit. Yeah. And, uh, like, every fucked up thing that's been in Game of Thrones, it, they give, like, historical examples of where it happened. And is is a wild podcast. <laughs> if you're a fan of history oh, in Game geez. of Thrones, check it out. It was real. It was really, really good. Aziz from History of, of Westeros is also like he's one of my, like I listen to that podcast a lot, and he's super, super, super knowledgeable about like every little aspect of the lore. Like that, that's a really good podcast if you're listening if you want to learn more about like, the mythology of the world of history of w- Westeros too. Yeah, I just started listening to that uh, that podcast after hearing him on History on Fire. And yeah, it's been good. <laughs> and I've got a shitload of episodes to go through. Yeah, my favorite ones, if you go and listen to the episode about Dark Sister, um, it is my absolute favorite episode of that podcast. So, like they go through like all the people who've been killed and there's a lot of Targaryen history if you like fighting and stuff like that. It's really cool. Sweet. I will definitely check that one out. Thanks, man. <laughs> Um, yeah, we've kind of reached that point in the show where we can start to wrap it up. If anybody's got any final thoughts. Euron is going to be the <laughs> on the Iron Throne after Daenerys and Jon Snow die from the night. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only one left. <laughs> or maybe Cersei's kid. That would be a total shock. If she dies in childbirth and her kids end up being ruling the Seven Kingdoms. <laughs> that would be shocking. That would be wild. That would be wild. <laughs> I, uh, I, Benji... want, I really don't want Daenerys or Jon to rule. Like, they don't have to die, but them on the Iron Throne seems very happy ending. Yeah, it would be happy. I think that's probably why I want it, though, is that after all this, it's like, can't we just have a win? Can we finish on a <laughs> no. fucking high note here? <laughs> just one fucking win. In the eight seasons of TV, can we have one fucking win? Please. <laughs> but I also want to see that return of magic to the world, you know? And that's kind of represented by the dragons. And so it's like, yeah, if John and Daenerys are on the throne, and then we start getting more dragons back in the world and everything. This could be some cool shit, but I, I, I'm not holding my breath for it just because the way the, the show has trained me to not do that. <laughs> yep. You know, it's not going to happen. We all know it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> How are they going to do all that in six episodes? That's... Well, they're going to be long episodes and they're going to kill the shit out of so everyone. Like... <laughs> Expect like, like 30 so deaths. Much. Episode one. 30 Deaths episode one, like Sandor, 
like Sansa, Arya, all these mother, they're all fucking dying. If you were north, uh, like in the north, in the first three episodes of next season, you're fucking dead. Like that's it. Like, <laughs> but the the house can't die until he faces the mountain. That's something we've been waiting for since the beginning. <laughs> the game ball. <laughs> we need to see that. <laughs> see, I don't know the mountain. The mountain's kind of. He's gone beyond human now. And he was practically beyond human when he was immortal. <laughs> yeah. So, Zombie Clegane is no bueno. Like, yeah, no I mean, the hound might be a little outmatched. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, uh, I, I'm actually I'm kind of hoping that Gregor gets the chance to kill his brother. I mean, second kill his brother. Like he's always wanted. You know, they'll come face to face in battle at some point and kind of close his character arc by getting the chance to. Uh, wait, no, I think I got him mixed up. Sandor uh, yeah. kills Gregor. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really cool if the Hound gets the chance to kill the mountain. Seriously, um, by zombies. <laughs> mm. Hey, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. What if what if everybody get eaten by zombies and that was it? I would love that. I would love it. And everybody, like, fuck you. Everyone's a zombie. Because that's, that's the that's the end game for the Night King, right? I mean, that's it. Like everybody's a zombie, and then he's like, "All right, I did it. <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> I I have won. <laughs> that's that's it. That's the show. Everybody's a zombie now." <laughs> That'd be a downer. That'd be worse than the end of the Sopranos, <laughs> which I didn't see, but I did. So I didn't watch Sopranos, but I did watch the end of that, and I was like, "What the fuck is that?" that is, what is a shitty ending? Or well, like in How I Met Your Mother, one after like fucking what's it nine seasons? It's like, oh, by the way, I'm still in love with Robin, who didn't end up with Barney, even though that's the entire last season. Stupid as hell. <laughs> spoilers <laughs> yeah it was like we're gonna uh, by the way we're not just spoiling game of thrones we're also gonna spoil everything else too so just hang tight real fast that's our bonus han dies <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah yeah uh, uh benji do you got any uh final thoughts for a wrap-up I don't know. It's hard for me to form thoughts right now. I am uh, I am pretty sleepy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I can tell from like my the the past couple of uh, things I've been saying, trying. So yeah, uh, I'm just uh, I've been really happy to talk with y'all about this. I've had a good time on the show. Um, it's a it's a good way to kind of wrap up this week for me. It's been a good week, and uh, I'm glad I got to hang out with y'all in it. Hell yeah, man! This has been really great. Um, this has been a fun group. This has been different than any of the other group episodes in that none of you have ever been on Starkcast before. So I got to get to know you know all three of you a little bit better throughout the evening. And mm. what better way than to talk Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep, building friendships. Yeah, thanks for having so, us on, man. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was thanks. the best thing I've done all week. Oh, well, you're all very welcome, and and thank you all for taking time out of your schedules. Um, I know, I know for you guys, it was tough staying up late, and and for Hanan, you were a trooper. 
Oh yeah, you're staying up 22 hours I before we started about. this. I don't know what I complain about. I'm about to get <laughs> seven, six to seven hours of sleep. Yeah, Hanan's so. an all-star. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have to still go I to work today? Talk about Game of Thrones forever. No, uh, actually, the it's weekend. Uh, Friday and Saturday. Oh, oh good. Good for you. Yeah, so I can sleep as much as I want. <laughs> Blessedly so. Well, good. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. Well, um, I have a well, hell yeah. Thing, can... Oh, say. what's that? I'm sorry. Um, I always had this argument with my husband about what's the best show, and he always went with Breaking Bad. I was like, no, you have to see Game of Thrones. And he finally agrees with me that Game of Thrones is the best show ever. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it's better than Breaking Bad. <laughs> so. By far. By far. I'm with you 100%. Yeah. And and if you've made it this far in the episode and you haven't watched Game of Thrones, like, okay. There's no point now. You know everything. <laughs> so there you go. You're welcome. We just saved you a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to watch Game of Thrones. You don't have to read the books. You've got everything you yeah, need. I'm actually excited about the books. I think I'm going to listen to them, not read them. Oh, excellent. Yeah, me too. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to read them. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been an absolute blast. Uh, thank you all so much. And uh, thank you all for listening. Until next time, this has been StarkCast. If you have any questions or comments on what you just heard, you can email me at startcastpod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at the Tubby Ninja, or you can check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash startcastpod. Thank you very much for listening. Hey, I'd like to take a moment to ask you all a big favor. If you enjoy listening to Startcast, please log on to iTunes and leave me a review. It uh, really helps with visibility for the show, and um, I would super appreciate it. If you're not a fan, and you want to be honest and tell me how much my show sucks, go ahead and leave me one of those, too. Okay, I might slaughter your name here, so forgive me if I do. <laughs> is it is it Arayo? It's Arayo. It rhymes with Ohio. Ah! Hey, I like that. Arayo rhymes with Ohio. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many times people have messed that up in my life. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. You were close, though. And her name was Hind. She's like, Hello? Can you guys hear me? Oh, yeah. She said that she has an alternate name for, like, Starbucks and... Like when you go to a restaurant and they like have to call your name and it's like Heather or something like that. Yeah. But she was telling us, she was like, yeah. Like, Whoa, did I just lose all you guys? I couldn't hear anything anyone was saying. Clinic where, like, yeah, I can still hear everybody. Um, for, like, for like domestic violence when they can't pay for attorneys and you can't like make. Yeah, I can't, I can't hear anyone else. Oh, weird. Can you hear me? So I can hear you. I can hear someone. Who's I know. I can hear someone else talking in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Who's talking in the background? Wait, what? That's a... <laughs> it's not... I don't... I'm looking around my room suspiciously. There's no one else here. I promise you. No, I can hear like a female voice talking about something. Yeah. I thought... I... Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I have no idea. That's it, it, it seemed... And the voice seemed to be talking about like... 
about a subject that matched what we were talking about. Did you hear it? Yeah, I thought I heard something about domestic violence or something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> I heard, I heard her talking about how uh, whenever she went to the Starbucks, like she knew somebody yeah. had a complicated yes. name. Yeah, and, and they gave him a different name so that whenever they called out the, the, the name on the on the cup, they, you know, they they'd be able to get their their coffee because their name was so complicated. And I was like, okay, that 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 story fits in with what we were already talking about. But then it turns out it was none of us. <laughs> yeah, are, you all going on? are you all messing with me? Because I'm not. No. I'm <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the, so that was really strange. <laughs> that was crazy. I was just polite, politely just waiting for the story to end, and no, but no, that was that was a that was a phantom. Okay, that's weird. All right, yeah, <laughs> something like that. Something very strange happened. I don't know if like we just like caught like the edge of like somebody else's Skype call and it like bled through or something. Or oh my gosh, you got to check the. Are, are we recording right now? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I've got. I've, oh yeah. Thank goodness. Well, we gotta we gotta we gotta take a look at the tape then. And, and we gotta we gotta do some research because this is some serious business right here. Yeah, no, that was weird. I will I will isolate that. <laughs> Go back. I certainly hope so. <laughs> oh my god! Because gosh. that was strange. I was like, who is talking right now? I was like, it's a female voice, but that is not Hanan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was bizarre. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a weird way to start. 